Hello and welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, back with you, back for another episode of Roach Coach, creating this new metal canon, one album at a time. This week, it's a big one, you guys. We've been talking about this gentleman for a while. We're talking about The Punisher. <laughs> Frank Castle. That's right, babe. We're talking about The Punisher, the album, the soundtrack to the 2004 film starring Thomas Jane. There's only one man. There's literally only one man we could have on to talk about this, my buddy, Longtime internet pal, I have been uh, a guest on his show. He knows more about the Punisher than I think anyone I know. <laughs> his name is Tucker Stone. Tucker, welcome. Hey, yay! Welcome, Matt, Tucker. Matt, do it again. I want to do. I want to hear. I want to hear. Keep, do keep it rolling again. You, you got it, buddy. Yeah. Keep it rolling, baby. Oh man, it's so good. It's so good. I, and sometimes I listen. and I'm like, is that? A, is it like a like a button he presses? Is it? Like oh no, thing? no. Fresh every it's, time. It's not a dolly. <laughs> It's a fresh man coming from, coming forth. Um, now, so yeah. now I could easily program an AI bot just to do it for us, but no, no, no. hell I no. Have, it, I wouldn't hear it like resonating off the lungs, bouncing it, around the rib cage. Exactly. I you need that Midwest nasal reverberation to make it mm, that sweet nectar we all crave. Oh man, I'm, I'm pumped. I, 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 guys, I do feel, I do feel prepared to talk about the Punisher. I mean, you're sitting with a man who's got. I just, I just looked up to the shelf and I was like, God, there's two Punisher things over there. I was able to grab. No, there's three. I'm looking at. I got so much Punisher shit in here. I don't even, I don't even ask for this stuff. I don't buy it. It just gets given to me. People come to me. But I gotta say, when it comes to new metal, I was like, I was listening to this album. I was like, I gotta listen to this album. I gotta be ready for these boys. These boys are expecting some knowledge, but I think I might have to lean. I think I'm, there's gonna be some leaning today. Okay. <laughs> oh, I like this. I like this. Then I suggest right here at the top. We're not even in the album yet, mm-hmm. but if your Punisher knowledge is a ten and your new middle knowledge is a two, you're you've got more knowledge about both subjects than me. So. <laughs> Then what we should do is we should say, where does Frank Castle listen to this song? That is the question that mm-hmm. we need to ask ourselves. Where is the Punisher listening to this one? Mm-hmm. I like I think it. that's I like that. I think that's a good thing to talk about. Across the top, every time, I, I, there were so many times when I was listening to songs in this album, and I'd be like looking at the name of the band, and I'd be like, so this is just a band that just came together for this one album. They just made a song for this album. They were, they were, and then I look it up, and I'm like, no, these people have nine albums. <laughs> they have a full career. <laughs> and I'm Take just, that, I'm, trapped. I'm just sitting here not, not respecting these people as individuals on this planet or creating art. I'm literally like looking, I'm going like, well, this guy, obviously, these, these guys went back to work at the Walmart after they got done recording this one demo. It's like, no, 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 this is this is a real band. And they kept going. I love this idea of a oh hi, uh, we're 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 Reggie's Meatloaf. Yeah, we're just a soundtrack band. Yeah. We do one track for a soundtrack. And then we just go back to our regular lives. I like the idea of new metal studio musicians. I like the idea of like, you know, you get those guys who like come in and they're like time to do a jingle. And then two hours later, they're like doing the backing tracks for an R&B album. And then they produce something that evening. But oh I just God. like the idea of like some beefy new metal guys who just roll in there. And they're like, yeah, I'm the guy who goes like, Rail! you know, like, like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, I'm extra grunts on yeah. uh, on, <laughs> on Sally Simpson must go to college. 
That's uh, right. All, all, he, all he needs to do, he's, he's just a chug specialist. That's all he does. He's like just a chug. Chugs is all he knows. Tucker, <laughs> your... Chugs is all he knows. <laughs> Chugs is all he knows. Uh, Tucker, your, uh, your Punisher knowledge uh, is deep. You were, uh, you're the host of you know what has been called the greatest uh, movie podcast on the internet, Travis Pickle and the Riviera. Um, you reviewed comics on the Factual Opinion for a very long time. You are the co-editor of the Comics Journal. And you also co-host uh, Comic Books Are Burning in Hell, uh, an excellent comic book podcast. So your uh, your Punisher knowledge is deep. Um, for a while, I don't know if you're still doing. You used to do. A, you would do a, a daily uh, Frank in the morning. Like you'd read a Punisher comic with like your morning coffee. Is that still a thing? Have you taken a break on that? Or <laughs> I have taken. I have taken a break on that. Uh, I okay. did used to do that. That was. I was pretty. There was a. Yeah, I did that for a long time, <laughs> but I, t- I took a little bit of a break. At a yeah, certain you, point, you're like, mm. yeah, you definitely have to do a break. And so, for our listeners who are not familiar with the Punisher, Tucker, do you want to give us just like a like a like the layman summary of the Punisher, who he is, what he means to you? Uh, okay, yeah. So, layman summary of the Punisher. So, is Marvel Comics character. He was brought in as a. He was created in a Spider-Man comic uh, to just be, you know, uh, not in the early eras of spider-man not the stan lee steve ditko era of spider-man a lot of people think about he was brought in later on um and he was just kind of a one-off character and he was this idea of a guy who was he wore a skull outfit the black uh, outfit with a white skull on the front and he was he kills criminals um and spider-man you know obviously wants to stop him because he's you know he's a he's a murderer that kind of thing so it's, it, and that is not really he he gets popular there but he doesn't really take hold um, in the Marvel universe, what happens later on is two things happen. One is they do a miniseries with him um, by a guy named Stephen Grant. Stephen Grant is a comic writer; has been around for a long time. He also like he wrote a column for CBR back in the day. Back in the day, with like comics writers, you know, it's an interesting time on the internet when like comics writers were like on the, the same websites you know you were, and they were going like, "This is fucked up," you know that kind of thing. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, and then, so there's that. It's drawn by a guy named Mike Zek. Mike Zek's a really great illustrator. He's done a lot of images that are really resonant with people, especially like early Marvel uh, trading cards and stuff like that. He's not a guy who does a lot of interior pages, you know, anymore. Like he's a guy who was kind of known for his like images. You know, like he draws stuff and you'd be like, oh, that's the defining image of like, you know, a Batman character, a, a Craven the Hunter, those kind of things. Um, but, uh, and then there's also Frank Miller during Frank Miller's like rise to, to, prominence to become the guy that you know we now think of as the guy who made sin city and the guy who you know did all this batman stuff frank miller was on daredevil and that was where he first got his chance to kind of do whatever he wanted to do and he is the guy who kind of created this template of what i'd say the punisher now most represents to people a guy who is obsessed with killing criminals a guy who is trying to go to war against criminals a guy who who's lost his family like that the kind of basic archetypal story of the Punisher, which has been messed with over time because of Marvel's constant desire to have comics appear like they're happening right now. They're happening in contemporary life is that, you know, Frank and his family, his wife and his two children go to Central Park. They happen to walk into like a classic, you know, for what Frank Miller and Stephen Grant was like a classic, like New York problem, just like you could just walk into Central Park and the mafia is just there doing mafia stuff. <laughs> and like Broad uh, daylight, yeah. middle of the day, mafia <laughs> you, you, stuff happening. You know, Frank Miller had this amazing period after, you know, after 9-11 and stuff like that. And like in the last 20 years where he got very reactionary, people were like, what happened to this guy? And it's like, really? It's kind of always. 
always been there. It's, it's always, always been, been there, there a little bit. But um, it just mess was more of a personal reactionary thing where Frank Miller was on the subway getting mugged and he was like, oh, I hate this city. But um, but yeah, so Frank walks into uh, some mafia stuff in Central Park. The mafia does what they do when they see witnesses, you know, which is no witnesses. They kill everybody they think. Frank Miller doesn't die, but his family does die. And he, you know, he he's a war veteran. Um, actually, the early Punisher comics, he was a cop. But it's pretty much now we kind of say like, oh, no, he was a war veteran. So depending on who's writing it, maybe he was a Gulf War guy. The movie we're going to talk about, he's a Gulf War guy. Um, some comics, he's a Vietnam guy. That's kind of a Garth Ennis thing. That's kind of most people like the Vietnam thing. Um, and then I don't know, sometimes the people new today do other things like he was a Navy SEAL involved in the secret conflicts that are going on in Africa for blood diamonds. You're like, I don't Who cares? Don't talk to me. The basic <laughs> tenet is... This is a guy whose family gets killed. Now he kills all that stuff. Um, I come to Punisher after most of that stuff. I did not start out as a Frank Miller guy. I did not start. The Stephen Grant, Mike Zek comics are like, those were like lore when I was a kid. They were like mm-hmm. back issues that like cost money to find. They were like uh, collections that I, I don't, full circle is what it's called. Yeah. Um, for me, I came, I came on board during the Punisher's period in the 90s. And the 90s was when Punisher got hugely popular. A guy named Mike Barron was writing comics. He was pumping them out. And they were drawn by different people. They start off by Klaus Jansen. Klaus Jansen had initially... Klaus Jansen's guy got famous for inking Frank Miller comics. Um, and then he, he was his own artist. And so he drew the Punisher. If you read interviews at the time, Klaus Jansen was supposed to be the guy who walked hand in hand with Mike Barron and did that comic for years. He ends up only doing, I think the first six issues. And then it starts this, then Will Sportaccio, who later on was a, we were talking about some image comics before we started recording. Will Sportaccio is the wet works guy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I just like saying wet works. I think that sounds great. <laughs> Terrible comic, but also wonderful at the same time, golden cyborgs and werewolves and stuff. Um, but yeah, so Punisher becomes a rotating cast of, of artists over this time. Um, one little nice little tidbit I like about that I found out those Mike Barron comics are insane. And those comics, the Punisher's basic tenet is yes, he kills people, but he also is in the Marvel universe. So he does things like has to deal with Dr. Doom and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but one of the great things was Mike just Barron, want to take out street level thugs. <laughs> there's a great thing, Matt, where it's like, where it's like Dr. Doom. It's just some Marvel story arc. Maybe, maybe Lauren, you're more familiar with it, acts but, of vengeance. Yeah. Yeah. Where like the, basically the bad guys are like, let's swap. Let's swap maybe enemies. the reason I can't kill Daredevil is because I'm just I just can't. So maybe I've run like, out of ideas. I'll give Daredevil to Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom. Kingpin's like I'll take the Fantastic Four. <laughs> like, I have I've been unsuccessful killing the Punisher. I think I can take Ben Grimm for you. No problem. <laughs> we'll switch him up. Do a little switchies. Um, Doctor Doom's like sure. Whatever, man. He seems to have a great time, actually. The Doctor Doom, he's like, he's like, this is it's like a little vacation for him. It's like when you go, like, you rent a whole house and everything. You're like, oh, it's like a whole, you know, it's a grocery store down the street. Um, the uh, the only thing, so Mike Barron does this great interview a few years ago. Mike Barron also wrote The Flash at the time. He was doing The Punisher. He's doing DC's Flash. He's doing, and I loved those Flash comics. And that's Wally West Flash comics. So Wally West's Kid Flash becomes Flash. And so Mike Barron had this great idea where he was like, let's like really change it up. Let's not do like old school Flash. Let's do this new guy Flash. And so what does Wally West do? Wally West, like he fucks. Wally West, like gets it on. Like he's different girls all the time. Wally West is like sleeping with a married woman. Like it's just like, and Wally, and he's eating all the time. Mike Graham was like, it's a big deal. We got it. We got to put in there that Wally West is eating. And like, he's putting so much into these Flash comics. These Punisher comics are just insane. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're not. They're bananas. I read this interview with uh, Mike Barron a few years ago and they're like, so eventually you, 
you stopped doing both comics. You left uh, the flash behind, just focused on Mike Barron. He's like, well, the thing was, I was doing a lot of cocaine. And he's like, and you do a lot of cocaine. I was a flash of my own. He's like, you you get a lot done. You do a lot of cocaine. He's like, but the problem is you're just not at your best. You know, you're really like, you're putting in a lot of work. You're putting out a lot of comics. And he's like, and the thing about the flash was, I just love the flash so much. And I just knew I wasn't giving it my best because of the cocaine use. And um, so, you know, I stopped doing the flash and I'm like, so the undercurrent of that particular statement is one, you didn't consider just not doing the cocaine anymore. <laughs> like you're like, no, 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 the cocaine's got to stay. One of these jobs has to go. <laughs> I don't give a shit about this Punisher job. Punisher job is not harmed at all by the massive use of cocaine. The flash thing, though, I'm a little worried about what I'm doing to, I don't know, the iconography of the flash. <laughs> <laughs> That's so I'm just going to go back. And I think he did him another seven, eight years on The Punisher. That's where I come on board with The Punisher, reading those comics. Um, and uh, this is also right before the Marvel collapse, the, one of the Marvel bankruptcies and everything like that. But it, mm-hmm. uh, but before that, The Punisher comic, comics collapsed a little bit. They expanded into Punisher War Journal. Anybody who reads comics knows about a guy named Jim Lee. Jim Lee was a big artist for Punisher War Journal. He kind of gets famous there. There's famous images of Punisher fighting Wolverine. Everybody had those kind of images in their mind in the 90s. Jim Lee, of course, now runs DC Comics. Uh, they expanded into Punisher War Zone. Some of those comics, especially one of the Punisher War Zone, number one, is one of the most highest selling Punisher Marvel comics of all time. It comes along right around the time of X-Men number one. It comes along right around the time of... Um, the, all those Marvel, com- those Marvel comics just blew up, you know, millions of copies sold. And there's a special part of this movie we're going to talk about comes from Punisher Warzone number one. Um, and then a few years later, it all falls off the rails. <laughs> they can't, they cancel all these Punisher comics. Uh, so you're be- saying the long-term effects of cocaine negative <laughs> long-term effects of cocaine. But I mean, at some point, I think we have to acknowledge that life has seasons, right? And so oh, yeah. if you have a good solid 10, 12 year run. Was the cocaine really a problem? I don't know. You had a solid 10, 12 year run. Not everything is supposed to last 20 years. Not everything. I mean, mean, come on. Like, let's be real. You're not going to hear me bashing cocaine is what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm not here. I'm not here to to drop cocaine down a peg. No. Uh, But yeah, so anyway, so so I'm I'm, and around the same time that the Punisher goes off the rails. A few years before that is also a time when I get a thing called the driver's license. And like I always say, when you're talking to people about uh, superhero comics, there comes a point where all of a sudden you get the opportunity to be like, oh, I can, I could just, I don't have to go into my room to escape my thoughts and feelings. I could get in a car and drive to places that have cigarettes, alcohol, and girls escape my feelings that way. <laughs> and then you look at those Punisher comics, you're like, I don't think I need you guys anymore. And you leave those guys behind and you <laughs> see you later, guys. Yeah. Later. And so, I mean, we'll probably get into this a little bit. A little bit later, but so when I came back to comics later on and uh, like later on in my adult life and that kind of thing, when I was coming to them for different reasons, by then a guy named Garth Ennis, who for me, um, I, I would say as much as I like The Punisher, I'm really a Garth Ennis guy. Like I'm a Garth Ennis super freak. Garth Ennis is a writer, uh, one of the few guys in arts or in comics who can actually say like, hey, did you, what was your job before you became a comic book writer? And he's like, I was a kid <laughs> and then I became a comic book writer. You know? uh, guy out of Ireland lives in New York now. Um, he's written Preacher, uh, The Boys, uh, Judge Dredd. He comes up hard on Judge Dredd. That's a big deal for him. Written a ton of war comics. Um, and he is uh, the guy who I would say has defined the Punisher. Unfortunately, he's he, the Punisher now is very much associated with um. Well, unfortunately for me, I don't know you guys' uh, politics. Maybe you guys are super hardcore into this stuff, like uh, into driving uh, uh, SUVs around with giant skulls on them. But obviously, the Punisher is associated with some uh, 
you know, hardcore right-wing military complex kind of stuff these days. Um, but for me, the Punisher is Garth Ennis, uh, as an adult and for me as a kid punisher is mike baron these are the guys who kind of shepherded this character along but i guess we're here to talk about uh movies which is a little different (laughs) well well no yeah that's uh that yeah your journey is um a little similar to mine i discovered Mm -hmm. the punisher uh it was a punisher war journal issue i picked up at a meyer when I was in probably third or fourth grade, it was the first part of a storyline called the Kamikachi Conspiracy, mm-hmm. and it was drawn by Andy Kubert. I don't remember mm-hmm. who wrote it offhand, but it, if it was, it was a war journal. But um, I remember just immediately. I think that's, I think that's Chuck Dixon, actually. I think yeah. that might be a Chuck Dixon one. Yeah. Might be a Chuck Dixon one. That one, uh, that was a notable comic for um, Punisher sneaking a handgun into a sauna in a Ziploc bag under his towel. Mm-hmm. Um, then he doesn't need to use it though, because then the guys he's come to scope out get smoked by some other people who walk in and murder everyone in the sauna, and the Punisher just sort of goes underwater and doesn't get shot. And uh, I, I, there was a time period where my dad was aware of the Punisher, and we both sort of were like, "This guy's great." And I would pick up the comics periodically. I know I wasn't r- a regular reader during that time period, but I definitely liked the Punisher a lot. I've shared that I went as the Punisher for Halloween in fourth grade. My mother made me a costume based off of uh, the cover of, I believe, the issue where he goes to Hawaii. And mm-hmm. um, and just as, as time went on, as I dabbled more in The Punisher, he'd come around. He was always somebody I was happy to see. And then I got more disposable income in, co- in high school, and um, that was right around the time that Garth Ennis came onto my radar with Preacher mm-hmm. and Hitman. And then uh, they were like, oh, he's going to do The Punisher. And I said, well, this is going to be the greatest comic of all time. And it was a rare moment of where hype mm-hmm. meets actual payoff. And um, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, his uh, his run on The Punisher, which lasted, what, I would say about what, probably about the same as the Mike Barron run, about 12 years, 13 years, mm-hmm. I'd say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a, a lot of seminal stuff with both uh, Steve Dillon on art as well as um, Goran Parlov and the other gentleman whose names escape me right now, who did the Punisher Max stuff. And Dougie, Dougie Braithwaite. He yes. Did a, mm-hmm. Yeah, Dougie. And he also, a very early Garth Ennis Punisher comic uh, that gets reprinted a lot now for a while, it was because Punisher is an alternate universe kind of comic where Punisher versus the Marvel Universe, where Punisher just kills his way through every superhero. Like that's just, Mar- he just kills all the superheroes in the Marvel Universe. But yeah, Dougie Braithwaite, Howard Chaikin is on that. Mm-hmm. Um it's interesting because that's a, that's one thing I, I don't know if you want to touch upon that, but like that Garth Ennis run, that first one, Welcome Back Frank, which leads into the Marvel Knights. That's like the resurrection of the character um, after it kind of had fallen on the wayside. And Garth Ennis brings it back. He has Steve Dillon, who by that point they become very famous for Preacher, and it's a funny comic. It's got it's got violence, but it's it's clearly done to be like satire, and it's clearly done to be like you know like a celebration of kind of the goofiness of this character. I mean, famously. Uh, you know that i always think of that one where he and spider-man are on the roof and spider-man's unconscious and he uses spider-man's body as a shield while the guy the huge superpowered guy is beating on him and he's just moving spider-man's body around and then finally they kill the bad guy and when spider-man wakes up he's like oh my god what happened to me like he's just bruised and all this kind of stuff and frank's like we had we had a team up like i always think about like yes that's garth ennis's philosophy on superhero comics that's garth ennis's fun with punisher but then it becomes what you call the dougie braithwaite stuff is a comic called punisher max which is 
the only connection to the Marvel Universe at that point is Nick Fury, really. It's bad. You know, it's Frank, Nick Fury, and it's done like this is for real. You know, it's not for real, but it's like the attitude is like it's very, very extremely violent, extremely pulpy, and there's there's no more humor. There's no there's no jokes. There's no asides. There's no Spider-Man team-ups. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that that stuff I remember reading. I think yeah, I think the Punisher Max stuff was like post college for me, and I remember mm-hmm. thinking, oh, we've really taken a turn because I believe that that first Punisher Max storyline has a moment where like a guy gets shot in the face point blank with a shotgun, and they show it, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. we've really taken it to the next level here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, and I basically been following through that the ups and downs of various people hopping on and then because at a certain point as they become so popular somebody gets the bright idea well let's integrate frank back into the marvel universe again and it's very bumpy when you go through that stuff because at that point i don't know like i feel like real world real world politics and like real world reactions to a character like this bumping up against somebody like wolverine or captain (laughs) america it really it's it's so it's so distorted that it doesn't make sense and I uh, I just got done reading two different storylines from, from I want to say like a decade ago, um, where they had tried to integrate him back in, and they basically have like Frank going around killing drug lords and child sex traffickers and all sorts of people, and they have this cut to like the Avengers being like, we got to do something about Frank, and I'm like, do you? Do you? Because yeah. it seems like he's getting the job done, and that storyline ends with basically they don't really beat him and wolverine like sits it out he's like i'm not getting involved in this you guys can go fuck around with the punisher but he's my guy and then just this i'd say a couple months ago we had the finale of another punisher storyline that seemed to try to reckon with everything that's been going on pretty bad Mm -hmm. retcon is uh his uh his origin and um and it turns into the same story everyone let's go the avengers are going to confront it except it's like a big old lecture that ends with the Punisher getting divorced and then sent to not hell. Yeah, not great. Not great. <laughs> I, it's it's hard it's hard to really like understand people's motives, you know, when they don't tell you what their motives are. But I will say that one of the things that like has happened a lot in the last however many decades, ever really in the last decade, when it comes to the Punisher, is a lot of comic writers talk about how they don't like the character and they don't want to write the character and they don't. And um and I don't have any issue with that. I, I think, I think it's sometimes it's funny cause I, I'm sitting here talking to you guys and I'm obviously not telling you anything about my own motives or something like that. And I don't, cause I'm not, I don't really, it doesn't matter. You know, you can decide whatever you think about why somebody likes something or doesn't like something. But what I think is interesting about the Punisher for me is always these people who are engaging with this idea, the way that Mike Barron engaged with this idea. I mean, it really is impossible to talk about that, that the breadth of Mike Barron's comics, because they're so strange. Like they really are. Like the reason I would do that Punisher thing every day was because they were almost all Mike Barron comics is because he was committed to this idea of of basically episodic entertainment. He wasn't involved in what we kind of think of now with modern comics, modern superhero comics or modern genre comics. He wasn't trying to build trade paperbacks. He wasn't trying to build story arcs. He would have repeating themes and repeating stories in part one, part twos, but he was obsessed with this idea of like, this character goes into this environment. This character goes into Kansas. This character goes to this place. This it's just constant change. And then over time, you know, the world changes around these guys, the kind of stories they're going to tell change. And Garth Ennis is really, for me, the only, and Chuck Dixon is an interesting case because Chuck Dixon was a guy in the nineties. Chuck Dixon is a very right-wing guy. He basically doesn't really work in modern comics anymore in part because of 
his public behavior, in part because of the groups he associates himself with. But this Chuck Dixon is a guy who's influenced everybody. He's a guy who came up with Bane. Like this is the guy. Like this guy mm-hmm. wrote Bat. He was the he was the shepherd of Batman during a time when Batman sold more than everything else. You know, like this this is a guy who was a big force in '90s comics, and he was a hardcore right wing dude. And so when he wrote Chuck, when he wrote you know the Punisher, that's the direction it went. You know. But Garth Ennis was, I think, the guy who like really tried to grapple with what is the purpose of this character. And part of that is because Garth Ennis is not a big superhero fan. But like modern comics, guys like the the run you're talking about, that Greg Rucka run, Greg Rucka is on the record of being a guy who's not really a big fan of, um, you know, tr- kind of traditional type A alpha kind of male characters. He's not really into that kind of stuff. He likes it. I mean, one of the first things he did on um, The Punisher and I think I joked about this with back in the day when it happened, Lauren was like, one of the first things we record did was like, he put in a tough as nails female character who has a drinking problem. And it's like, <laughs> when you look at the breadth of Greg Rucka's career, you're like, how many of these, I mean, he did that when he was on Batman, he, he brought in a tough as nails. Bruce Wayne had a bodyguard and it was this tough as nails girl who drank all the time. And you're like, does Bruce Wayne really need, does he need that? You know? And then, <laughs> Greg Rucka also got very popular for a character a good book called Queen and Country, which was the king of alcoholic uh, spy <laughs> women who are like shooting their way out of everything. And you can't tell them. Not. And it was like, you'd sit there and you go, like, you say you're not into type A alpha characters, but literally all you've done is just kind of gender flipped Lee Marvin, you know, and then, <laughs> and then put that in every comic, except you didn't make her look like Lee Marvin. Somehow she ends up looking like Rebecca Romaine Stavos. I don't know, every time she shows up. Uh, but so Greg Rucka did that on the Punisher and it's like the Greg Rucka, the guy didn't like the Punisher. And, um, I don't think you need to be a right wing person to write the Punisher. Garth Ennis is not a right wing person, despite his love of like military history, which is, you know, a lot of old guys like military history and they aren't, right. you know, they aren't, they aren't sitting out there racist and drinking blood, you know? And, uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, and Mike Barron and Mike Barron was like a crazy cokehead who just liked the party. Like he wasn't really a hardcore, like, I mean, now it's. Oh, I don't even know what he does now. Kickstarter stuff about a comic called The Florida Man. Like that kind of, Mike Barrett has gone oh, off the rail. Um, but I think it's interesting when you look at comics nowadays, the Punisher has gotten attached to a certain type of political movement that is grotesque and, and disgusting. There's just no way around that. It's just gross. Um, and uh, I don't know how you write a comic character like that without grappling with that. And their attempts have been bad. You know, I mean, one of the things they did with that retcon was they tried to get rid of the skull because the skull is associated with it. Um, what's his Chris, name? Kyle. Chris Kyle. Chris Kyle. Yeah, yeah it's associated yeah. with Chris Kyle. It's associated with like weird SWAT team kind of stuff. Like it's just not. And so they tried to like do something and it didn't work. And I'm not sure that it can. I mean, sometimes it's kind of like when you see what happened with um, Matt Fury's Pepe the Frog. Mm. And we may know where Matt Fury's Pepe the Frog came from, and we can sit around and talk about how this is unfair that it happened to Matt Fury. He's a really fun guy who likes to smoke weed and make jokes and stuff like that. But it's at some point, you just kind of have to go like, it looks like Reddit won that argument. They won that case. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that stuff, I don't know if you could put it back in the tube. Like, it's just the way it is. At the same time, have you, have you Lauren, have you read the last few Garth? Garth Ennis comes along every once in a while and does another Punisher miniseries. I, uh, I believe the last... I'm pretty sure I read the last one. What, what, yeah, I don't Soviet. Know what it's called. 
Yes, was I read so, Sylvia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Sylvia was great. Yeah, it's the thing is, every once in a while, Garth Ennis comes along, and he, and I have all the thoughts like, oh, well, I guess we can't do anything with this character. And then Garth Ennis comes along, and he goes like, here's here's what you can do with this character. And you go, oh, okay, no, it still works. <laughs> we just need, yeah. I just need a grown up at the helm, and I need somebody who can draw like a motherfucker, and it works just fine. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Matt. Well, um, slow down, guys. You're about to see the real comic book guy come yeah, out. Yeah, bring it, Matt. Bring it. Yeah, I've never read an issue of Punisher. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love, I love it. it. My 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 exposure to comics came way, 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 way late because we never would have had money for comics when I was a kid, and my dad liked music more than he liked anything else. So it was 45s and music, and that was really where I nerded out. Even though, like, I could never tell you the band names. And the thing like that, I would just put on a record and be like, this is my life now. Um, but my friend Chad that I met in like 2001, he was he was into comic books when he was a kid. And he was like, okay, look, comics are amazing and wonderful. And there's a lot of new stuff, especially around 01. He's like, this is the Ultimates. This is Mark Millar writing Ultimates 1. And he's like, just read it. And I was like, this is great. And then I met another friend who got the first couple trades for The Walking Dead. And I was like, this is awesome. I really like this. And then my friend Scott in high school, he like had all the spawns when we were kids. So like I read the spawns, but like I collected a lot of image stuff mm-hmm. because I liked that they were kind of a little bit shorter run. Like uh, I never, never got into the big universe stuff. I finished the Ultimates, and it was kind of like a storyline. It was like it had a beginning and an mm-hmm. end, especially on that first run, and the second one, the second run that they did there. I picked up Chew on Image, and like I was really into that for a while. Uh, I liked Kick Ass, but again, like things where it was just like beginning end. Mm-hmm. Like this is a serial, like the serial kind of ends here, so. My exposure to Punisher has been more in the macro culture view of, and especially like that logo being yeah. an overused term now, but truly iconic. Like you see that and you know exact, I know exactly. Well, that's the Punisher. That's mm-hmm. the Punisher logo. And the Punisher is a tough guy. That's like all I know about the Punisher. But I feel like the character of the Punisher is very interesting. In the sense, like, and I'm sure that this has been exhausted throughout the comics of like, yeah, dude, you ain't, you aren't judge and jury. Like, but he is because of his actions. But it's like, that's the moral quandary of this guy is like, when you kill his family, you feel like he's morally right to do this. But then he keeps going and it's like, are you? Who are you now? Mm-hmm. Aren't you just as bad as everybody else and i'm sure that's like the subject of 40,000 punisher comics but i i like a, i just do enjoy the character being like i just got to do this dr doom's got to die today <laughs> it's i want to say uh, matt one thing that's that's this guy garth ennis that we're talking about here the thing about garth ennis is that's a guy that i've read 
I, I think I've read every single thing that this man has ever written. I, I'm, I am, when it comes to being obsessed or something like that, I'm obsessed with this particular writer and mm-hmm. I've read his entire thing. And he, and one of the things, the reason I like that is because very few comic writers to my, a lot of comic writers are like Mike Barron and I like Mike Barron, but Mike Barron is very much an entertainer. He's very much like, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do the deal. This is the job, right? Yep. Garth Ennis is a guy who is obsessed with certain different kinds of philosophy and certain different kinds of storytelling. He's a, he, he is rewritten over and over and over again, the same basic kind of archetypes and characters in these different environments. Like, and, and one of those things has been this. And it often applies itself well to military stories, which is why if you read something like his comic Hitman, it has special forces guys in there that are grappling with a government that has lied to them and abused them and is yes, using them. I have read Hitman. Yeah. So th- that's something that shows up in Hitman. It shows up in Punisher. It shows up in The Boys. It shows up in Preacher. It shows up. And then he has comics that are just war comics that are just historical war comics where he basically wants to illuminate like just like any just like Tony Soprano watching the History Channel. He saw this thing and he wants to tell you about it. He saw this thing about these women who had planes that nobody else wanted, but they really wanted to defend their country in World War II. And they said, we don't want women out there fighting jets. And they said, we'll give you this piece of shit from like the mucking 1915. And these ladies said, okay, well, we'll figure out how to, how to defend our country with this kind of stuff. And these were real ladies. And Garth Ennis is like, I'm going to do a comic about them. I'm going to do a comic about the same way that like your dad is like, Matt, I got to talk to you. I got to tell you this movie I saw last night. Let me tell you chapter and verse, everything. That's Garth Ennis. And so when it comes to the Punisher, I think it's often, this is my personal perspective, but I think it's often associated with the Punisher when what we're really reading is a Garth Ennis comic, exploring these things, exploring these things that he is obsessed with, which is that he doesn't like superheroes. He doesn't like the concept of like, this pretense that comes with Batman and Spider-Man and Daredevil is that they're good because they don't kill. It's like, but you're the same thing. The Punisher just mm. finishes the sentence that these characters start, which is that he comes into the room and determines in a completely reactionary way, like how he's going to resolve this issue. And it's a final solution. Like he's going to execute the problem. Whereas Batman's like, I'm going to break your wrist. I'm going to make it so that your knees don't work for the rest of your life. I'm going to leave you hung upside down from a thick, but I wouldn't kill you. I mean, that's wrong. That's a line I'll never cross. You know, like, <laughs> I'm going to let the civil justice system take, yeah. take that one on. Interesting. Yeah, it does expose like all these guys are acting like judge and jury. It's all reactionary stuff. I mean, I mean, I, I find those conversations dull when I, I do. Find, mostly I find those conversations dull because the people who have them are dull when you start going like, well, Batman's a fascist. And I'm like, hey, shut the fuck up. Who cares? Why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you go complain about kids skateboarding, you little freak? Like, you're, you're, acting, you're acting like you're the, you're the queen of progressives over here saying this stuff. But at the end of the day, you're doing the same shit. You're just sitting around going like you're just being a scold. That's all you're being. You're being a scold. You're what... Uh, on, on Tuesday, you're going to tell me not to put any yuck in your yum because I said I didn't like the Marvel movie. But on Wednesday, you're going to be like, guys, this is just – come on, really. I mean the Punisher, come on. Right-wing reactionary claptraps. Like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I'm going to go play some Diablo 4 now or whatever that is. But um, I don't know what that rant was about. But anyway. Your love of Diablo 4? <laughs> Do you have a Diablo just, 4? I, I, I've, I've only played Diablo 4 for about an hour now, but I'm like, maybe I'll be, I keep wondering if I'm going to become a video game guy. I've never been a video game guy, but then I'm like, my daughter kind of likes video games. And then I'm like, well, what's the big video game? It's like, well, it's Diablo 4's big video game. So I play it. I'm like, is this it? I just run around and I turn into a werebear and some skeletons coming up and I got to rip off their heads. I'm like, I guess I can do that for like an hour. 
not sure if I come out being a better father after the other end, but <laughs> you never know. know. I'm I'm getting dragged into I'm getting dragged back into video games by my son now, and he's mm-hmm. forcing me to learn how to play these games. But then he keeps doing this thing where he rips the controller out of my hand because I'm not doing it right, and I was like, Oh, wow. classic! Wow, Great move. tables have turned. Yeah, uh, my my, da- my daughter smoked me on Street Fighter like two hours into playing Street Fighter for the first time, and I was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa! I, how did that just happen? Like, I know how to do Giles Hydukin. He's not Hydukin. He's the Sonic Boom guy. But I know how to do Giles upside down kick. Like, how are you beating me? This isn't. This actually makes me feel demasculated. Uh, Rachel and I are both getting beaten regular basis now on Mario Kart by Ronan, and we're both like, "This isn't right." We've got yeah, it's weird. We've got twenty plus years of experience on this guy. What's going on? So yeah, but yeah. well, what got... I did, you know what I, you know, I did, Lauren, and this I know, I know your your situation will totally help with this. I took Piper down to the basketball court, and she tried to make some shots, and I just blocked that shit, and I was like, "Yeah, this is fucking. This is this is real life. This isn't a video." Game. What are you gonna do? Work on your ops. Yeah, try again. Oh, look at that. Shoot the J. Uh, we're going to the playground this afternoon. I think I'm going to do some street justice. I'm going to swat some ball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the album of the week that we are talking about, to the preamble for all this, is The Punisher, the album, the soundtrack to the 2004 Thomas Jane Punisher, uh, which was released on April 16th, 2004. The soundtrack was released on March 23rd, 2004. So you got a couple weeks to familiarize yourself with all 19 songs <laughs> that are on this soundtrack. So real casual. In. This is yeah. a real bang for your buck soundtrack here. It is. And the great irony is that I uh, I did a rewatch of the film uh, yesterday. And Tucker, you did a rewatch uh, a yeah. few days ago as well. Um, I believe two songs from the soundtrack are in the movie. Two songs. One is played twice. <laughs> yep. And... Um, and so I really did two question songs. why there are 19 songs if only two even made it into the movie. It's a very strange situation. And some oh, of these song mo- choices. And this movie does have music. It has some oh, music. The melodramatic strings on this thing. I was like, wow, we are going for heartfelt. We are going for th- this movie wants us to be super, super serious, but then wants to turn on a dime with Mr. Bumpo and Spacker Dave. <laughs> so I didn't, um, I didn't do a deep dive on the credits, but I am curious. And we're, we're, the music for this movie that's not on that album, that's got to be like the Young and the Restless guys. It's got to be like the studio musicians who are normally turning stuff out for like the Bold and the Beautiful because there are times when those horns and those strings hit and I'm like, what are you doing? Like this is <laughs> This so, is soap uh, opera from way the, back. The music is done by Carlo Silato who's an Italian film composer and the director and uh, co-writer of the film. I like that we, <laughs> come on, Gorlami it up for me, Lauren. All right, I'm sorry. Oh, His name is- Matt, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We, did, we didn't tell you the most important thing of all about Frank Castle. In some Frank Castle comics, his name is not Frank Castle. It's Frank Castiglione. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carlo Siliotto does why, it. Why you shoot my family? <laughs> We are going to say, we're going to get a pizza pie. <laughs> um, I'm a terrible uh, accent. My, my son is Mario. <laughs> oh, why are you doing this to my family? Uh, I should have kept my princess in another castle. <laughs> she not get shot in the face. Uh, oh, so- mama mia. <laughs> 
There it is. So he was uh, he was handpicked by the director Jonathan Hensley because of his work on some other films. He found that he really enjoyed it, and he did not want to have a superhero theme for Frank. He's like, because this guy's a murderer. So Mission instead, he yeah, he got it. He <laughs> sure, sure, certainly did. And so yes, yeah, so you only have two of the nineteen songs in the actual movie. The film is, I'd say, a hodgepodge collection of things from the Welcome Back Frank Garth Ennis run, mixed with some Chuck Dixon stuff. But then also you have an entire large subplot involving a character that I do not believe is in the comic, played by Travolta, who is, I guess, like a he's like a money launderer for for the mob, but also is a guy who has like killers on staff. And um, the thing I was taken by rewatching this film, which I did see opening weekend because um, it was the Punisher, even though I heard mm-hmm. it was bad and it didn't look good. I was like, I'm still going. Um, and what's funny about it is that for a movie from 2004, it feels like it could have been made in like 1990. Um, mm-hmm. It's very, very analog. I don't think there's like hardly any CGI in it, uh, which apparently is because they cut the guy's budget right before he started. And so he didn't have, uh, he was, I think he was supposed to have like 60, 70 million and they dropped him to 30. And mm-hmm. so you have a lot of practical stunts, a lot of practical car stuff, which I found very charming in our current CGI morass. I was like, look at that, real cars getting jumped, you know, real guys. But the movie's main problem for me is that um, the Punisher is too moro- too um, slow and morose and sort of like bummed out. When I don't take Frank as bummed out, he's he's on, he's a man on a mission and he's determined. But also, like there are a lot of killings in this movie of fam- of people's family and the reactions feel the, the I was just say the reactions the discovery of this knowledge feels muted, but then the reaction to those killings is then incredibly over the top. Super over the top. So people seem like, oh, your son is dead. Oh, I'm I'm really sad about that. Uh, what do you want us to do about it? Murder everyone alive. Everyone. And it's yeah. like, oh, whoa, okay. <laughs> so so you are not uh, you're not emoting that. You just verbally are letting us know inside you are truly hurting. Um, destroy the township. Yeah. Yeah, it's Ooh, it's one thing yeah. to see henchmen go and kill people. It's another thing like hey, when they go and they go they kill Frank Castle's family instead of it being at Central Park, they killed him at a family reunion in Puerto Rico. <laughs> so there's like 30 people there and I remember I I did not remember that little girl. Like that little girl's face jumped out at me. There's a girl who's maybe 6 7 years old. They don't show her dead body, but it's clear that she's executed along with all these other people. And I read later on that all those people are except for Roy Schneider uh, who plays this, you know, who apparently was Jonathan Hensley's next door neighbor. And that's oh. how Jonathan Hensley was able to get Roy Schneider. From I was Jaws. wondering about that. Yeah. That's how he just asked his next door neighbor. Jonathan Hensley um, uh, is a guy who, he was a Michael Bay guy. He was, he wrote scripts for Armageddon. Um, I think he's on the rock, uh, but he was like a, this was his directorial debut, but he had already kind of made his name as like an action filmmaker as, as a writer, screenwriter. But so yeah, he's Roy Schneider's next door neighbor. And he wrote Roy Schneider and to play the dad, but like the execution at that house not only is it grotesque imagining all those people, but like those are all stuntmen and the children of stuntmen. That's how they did all that stuff. But um, those henchmen don't seem to mind. Like there's no point where like any of the henchmen is like, 
usually in in a modern like kind of movie you'd have a point where you have like i don't know if I, you'd either make it clear they're bloodthirsty or you'd have a scene where a guy's like oh god i don't know about this and in this one it's like no oh, they're just going in to just execute six-year-old girls and elderly people <laughs> at a beach <laughs> in the middle of the day they don't use bombs they use guns and machine guns to do it there, there's a clock that they punch into right next to like well, i guess this is what today's like <laughs> let's go uh, a remarkable detail of the movie also is that all of the henchmen, with the exception of Travolta's character's son, who I believe is supposed to be in like 23 or something like that, um, are all elderly men. They all are between the ages of 50 and 70. Um, mm-hmm. At one point, Frank kills a guy by putting like a paper cutter into his head, and that guy's got to be at least 70 years old. So you have mm-hmm. like the world's oldest men fighting the Punisher. I mean, they're all very slow. And so that was like a weird detail that you wouldn't have now. I do appreciate that. I will. I mean, like one of my kind of, I mean, they got a million modern irritations with modern action movies, but I will say it's like, I there's a guy who an actor talked about how like it used to be on, like if you're going to be on a guest spot on NCIS or CIS, CSI or something like that, like you could, you'd have regular people on that show. And he's like, nowadays, if you're going to be like a guy who shows up on NCIS, like you also have to be a dude who's like taking the skin off chicken and doing like 120 minutes of cardio in the morning to just strip the fat off your body. Like you got to be Jack to be on, to be the guy who hands a folder to Mark Harmon on NCIS. And so it's kind of nice to watch an action movie where like, nah, it's just like these they're Tampa guys in Florida. Like if these were really great henchmen, they'd be in Miami, maybe Detroit, maybe New York, you know, but these are the Tampa guys. So the Tampa guys are pretty much, it's been a long time since they did hand to hand combat. They mostly, they got an Uzi. With you got to dust the, the Tampa guys off. <laughs> yeah. These are, I mean, that's neat. my wife brought that up. She'd never seen this movie. And she's like, why is this in Tampa? And it's like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We're going to the crime Mecca of America. I mean, that Tampa. was, that was a, when the movie came out, that was a big complaint, was they were like, they took this New York character and put him in Tampa. How dare you? Mm-hmm. And uh, now when I watch it, I was just like, I kind of appreciated the fact that it wasn't in New York, since everything's in New York. So or I'm in really Toronto whole... or Vancouver, pretending to be New York. You know? That's true. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, I mean, I still thought it was pretty cruddy. Uh, in the extended version, they have an entire subplot, which I understand why they cut it, where basically um, Frank's... Um, co-worker because i believe he works for like the fbi or like the secret yeah yeah, something like that in the movie um he's the one who sells him out to travolta's villain and that's why travolta's villain finds out that he's where his family is and everything and so you have all these scenes where he keeps he he basically shows up to his buddy and his buddy's like oh you're not dead oh what a surprise and then realizing um through frank's i don't even know if I'd want to give it the word detective work, but that's what the movie frames it as. That Frank realizing that this guy who has like a gambling problem was basically able to sell him out. And it all culminates in a scene where he's like, you're the reason my family's dead. So here's a gun, kill yourself. And the guy's like, what? Why don't you just shoot me? And he's like, no, 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 you got to kill yourself. And he's like, okay. And then he does. And that's the end of that whole subplot. I was like, wow. I see why you cut this. Cut that, There's yeah. no reason for this. Apparently it is. I. This is one place where I, I did not actually read this thing. I've never read it because I don't like these guys. But um, there's a comic called Punisher Year One. And it's a, uh, by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, who are mostly mm. 
kind of now recognized for their work on Guardians of the Galaxy, kind of bringing that characters back and thing. And they wrote a four issue comic called Punisher Year One, which apparently is a big part of the basis for this movie. And that's why there's during the, one of the car chase scenes, <laughs> the Punisher has a, a, a vanity kind of license plate that says Year One. <laughs> and that's apparently oh. why that's in there. Oh. Uh, but so I don't know if Howard Saint comes from there. Um, obviously, the like the weird, there's a lot of obvious like Welcome Back Frank stuff, but I think the the stuff with that character weeks is his name he's named after uh he's named after a marvel comics illustrator who didn't really do a lot of punish yeah Yeah. (laughs) lee weeks is not somebody that you go like ah yes famed punisher illustrator lee weeks you're like i think he did i think think he's a spider-man guy right six issue yeah Yeah, he's he's daredevil you know yeah um or if you're if you're batman head like me uh, he did a little did that comic where robin has to like go like his first night out batman's like tonight's your first night on your own i'll be watching Go fight some jewel. Go, go stop a rapist. You know? And Rob is like, you got it. Lee Weeks drew that comic. It's great. It's called The Gauntlet. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, there's some Punisher. I think Punisher Year One is the end where you get all that that guy. Uh, I love that guy's first line. Like, I like that they cut his subplot. I mostly love that that actor's first line in the movie is him going like, Frank Castle, the greatest man. <laughs> when he walks into the room, he's like, congratulations in your retirement to the greatest man I've ever known, my best friend, my greatest influence and the best cop that's ever existed. And you're like, and like literally five minutes later, he's like, yes, yeah, so this is where he lives. This is where his family lives. Want to kill his kid? Kid's going to be there too. Hey, you should wait, wait a week. There's going to be a family reunion. Kill the whole family. <laughs> the way he gives them up, the way he gives them up in the extended cut is honestly even worse oh. because they, they, take him to this very cheap looking casino and they're like yeah this guy he owes us a bunch of money and then they just pull him in a room and they're like yeah you owe us a ton of money and he's like oh okay and i was like they didn't they didn't muscle him they didn't hold him down to a table they didn't twist his arm break a finger he just gave him up he just gave him up i was like wow this is cold shit um, 30 people dead because this one cop like the bears couldn't cover the spread or whatever yeah basically yeah okay uh, so um this soundtrack album um on wind up records march 23rd 2004 it's got five genre tags new metal hard rock post grunge alternative rock alternative metal i can assure you listeners all of these genres are covered extensively on the mm-hmm. soundtrack um, I they, sadly they took a lot of swings to get there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, um, I sadly we got 19 tracks to hit these genres. Can we do it? Uh, I sadly do not have a physical copy of this album. I attempted to purchase it off of eBay two years ago, and the uh, post office th- deemed my apartment not not occupied, and they sent it back even though I'd been living here for years. Very weird moment, and the eBay seller didn't believe me, and so I lost my $4. So I don't have a physical copy, but it's on streaming, and that's how I listen to it. I think we are ready to dive into this record. We gotta. We gotta. We gotta, uh, or we else, gotta. I'm telling you, <laughs> set up a camp right now. <laughs> All this right, is a Matt. Frank Castle, uh, <laughs> this is what it is, a stakeout for him. He's got to make sure. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so to kick it off, we have a song by Drowning Pool. It's called Step Up. Broken. Yeah, you've been living on the edge of a broken dream. Nothing. Yeah, 
Uh, so this song we have covered before when we covered uh, Drowning Pool's second album. This was their attempt to come back with a new lead singer. Um, according to Apple Music, this is Step Up the Punisher version. Um, oh, yeah. The only difference I could find between this and the version on the album is that the F word is bleeped out. The Punisher would never. Punisher so I don't, would never. He would never. So I don't know. But maybe the F word got shot. Mm, hadn't thought that's about why that. It's, that's why it's muted. Yeah. Because it he's got just, silenced by the Punisher. I think this was picked because of timing. What, and what if the Punisher just punished naughty words? It's like, oh, that's a, that's a naughty word. I'm coming for you. There is, in the comics that influence this movie, there is a character who is... Uh, I can't remember his name. The guy wears the white suit, and yes. he mm-hmm. he murder he executes people who like have bad manners and like do things like have a dog that shits and they don't pick it up off the street. Like he kills like old ladies and stuff. His like name that. is Jimmy Rules. Yeah. And then when he meets the Punisher, he's like, "I'm just doing what you do. I'm just taking it to the next step." <laughs> yeah, and the Punisher's like, "No, that's not right," and then shoots him in the face. <laughs> it's like, oh, beautiful. Beautiful capper. Um, this song, I mean, for the, this is one of the two songs that's in the movie. And it's, I mean, I wrote down the lyric, you know, you had your chance to walk away, live to see another day, and you didn't. And so now you're getting stepped up to, and the Punisher will kill you. The Punisher, although the Punisher is not known for giving anyone second chances. Generally, if you do something bad, he comes and he takes you out. So this- It's a real one chance guy. He's a one <laughs> chance kind of guy. Um, so uh, so this one, this is, this, is, uh, this is, I guess, a forgiving Frank in that way. Tucker, where do we think Frank's going to listen to this song? So that's yeah, they're playing. This is the one that Ben Foster's character is listening to when he's playing video games, and I think yeah. he's singing along to it. He didn't, didn't he sing along? Doesn't he say the the the, the titular step up? I think he says step up as he's as he's smashing a, the keys. <laughs> I know. I think he's. I think he's amping himself up. I don't know if he's necessarily mouthing the lyrics because he's don't just know. into it. He's just into it though. Yeah, he's just into it. I think Comic Book Punisher would never listen to this ever because it wouldn't help him solve his his issues. I think Tom Jane. Um, by the way, my my DVD of the movie, he's not Thomas Jane. He's Tom Jane. I was like, was this man ever Thomas Jane? Wasn't he always Tom Jane? Thomas Jane? Yeah. But um, yeah, it's weird. But uh, I think I think he listens to this during those moments where he's getting ready to go out and do some killing because there's a lot of uh, <laughs> Thomas Jane sitting in his apartment just drinking shirtless, showing off the seven months of training he did to get that body. And um, and I think he's just sitting there listening to this. He's like, I gotta go. I gotta go kill somebody by tricking them with a fake fire hydrant. Oh boy. That whole fucking subplot. Um, um, I, I did notice uh, on songmeetings.com that um, everyone, everyone was... <laughs> I meant to go to songmeetings.com before. Oh, uh, man, I, which, I forgot to do that. Which, by the way, songmeetings.com, we had mentioned recently that they had done a redesign of the site. Right. It's gone. It's gone. Back to the old style, baby. We got dates and times, son. Oh, we had to do a rollback. We had, we had an <laughs> IT release. Did not go well. We had to uh, do it the rollback. The best website in the fucking world. They're like, we fixed it. Nope, we didn't fix it. Back to the old style. Um, and so there's a lot of complaints about this uh, song's video 
being bad because it seems like the guy just wanted the lead singer just wanted to have uh hot bitches in uh in hot tubs and living like scarface and a guy's like i expected a lot of fights and explosions and was sorely disappointed it's the kind of dumb self-serving video i expect for an r&b song not something like this compared to the sinner video and it's a big change this puts the song in a poor light instead of stepping up for a fight it seems more like stepping up to a business takeover Man, Jason Jones, they were coming for you. Buddy. Yeah, tough talk from Midnight Raven, June tenth, two thousand five. Thank you for your work. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say that the world is a binary and there's only right and wrong choices, but at the end of the day, like, wouldn't you rather hang out with people in, uh, you know, small bathing suits next to a hot tub than? I don't want to. Have you ever been near a real fight? Been near? I don't want to be near oh, any of that stuff. I mean, anywhere yeah. I've ever been where a fight has started to happen, I'm like, I got to get out of here. I, gotta, I would I much leave. rather be listening to Drowning Pool while some like girls are like pouring champagne on themselves. I would much rather. That's a better place to be. When you're by like, a real fight, like a real fight, that energy is insane. Terrible. It's like, get, like, fight or flight is right. It's like, get me the fuck out of here. And let me get in that sweet hot tub exactly. with some with some people that just like to have fun. Just like to have a party. Yeah. We're having a good time. That's yeah. a great energy. I like that more than, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's truly it. What's this fellow's uh, name? Midnight Raven? Midnight, Midnight Raven. Raven. Check, your, check your life, Midnight Raven. Check your yeah. life. <laughs> you, you might have some unexplored trauma that you need to address. Uh, all right. So the next song here, I believe, was chosen because of its song title. It's Bleed by Puddle of Mud. You could fly me to the moon, bury me underneath the sun. I don't think that you're the only one that hides behind the gown. Why don't you just sit on the couch? Yep, that's Puddle of Mud, all right. <laughs> You didn't even let it get to the incredible chorus, which has the lyric, you never want to bleed for me. An incredible request. I was really blown away by the song because it's really bouncy for a song called Bleed. We've encountered other you songs. You gotta get that called... heart rate up, Lauren. Yeah, but it's so bouncy. And it really made me think like, uh, for one, I mean, this guy's doing his big Kurt Nirvana imitation with the vocal here. But it really felt like if you took away some of the grunginess and some of the 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 harshness of the production on this this could be like a third eye blind song like it really sounds like this dude really <laughs> would want to be like a third eye blind pop guy but he's like i'm too deep in this and i'm puddle we're called puddle of mud so i don't know what i'm gonna what else i can do the uh comment on songmeetings.com from it's me it's ddp i assume the real ddp said this Diamond uh, Dallas Page? yeah got him got to be the real one uh, a i took a I, break I, from I, yoga <laughs> I, I did his yoga i did i did some of the ddp yoga it's fun stuff it's great there's parts in the middle of the ddp yoga where he turns to like the young lady next to him who is wearing something a little bit small a little bit revealing he's like look at her right and i'm just like you left that in like you cut that out <laughs> you literally saying like wait stop doing the workout check this out right <laughs> you like right? this smoke show look at that. Oh, look at that. wait until, when those cameras go off ddp ddp <laughs> double <laughs> dallas penetration i'll give you a real diamond cutter <laughs> what i do to pussy right come on let's just get there 
his comment said this uh this song was off the punisher soundtrack it was one of the solid tracks off the thing it's about sacrifice in a relationship at least that's what i think um except he spells relationship relationship um and i like that he thinks for one that this is one of the solid tracks off the album uh which mm. really oh boy um and uh yeah this is one that yeah immediately i was like okay there was a dude in a room and he was apparently told you need to have x number of songs apparently 19 songs on the soundtrack find stuff and i need it by i need it by five today and mm-hmm. this dude is just scrolling through like documents so just looking for song titles bleed works perfect Punisher shoots people. That's what I know. Otherwise, I mean, this doesn't really change my opinion of Puddle of Mud, Tucker. No, I mean, I I will say that their songs. This is kind of one of them where I was definitely wondering, like, I I don't know. And you guys have done a lot of these these episodes, and and maybe this is something that you guys have looked into before. But it definitely has that sense of like, I have a list of what this production company has access to. I have a list of the songs that I can pick from that you know, that I can, I can use, you know, to, to kind of get on here. We own these rights or we own these masters or whatever. Cause it really is like, why is this? I don't understand what this has to do with the movie. It, Cause it's not in it, you know? And I don't understand what it has to do with like kind of what I'm expecting um, these songs to be about. And it's funny. You, you, that's a perfect thing. We said about the, the Kurt Cobain and the, and the sound. Um, I listened to a bunch of this stuff with, with my wife. Cause I was like driving around, driving around, like listening to this cause I do all the driving. So she's listening to this with me. My wife is a children's musician. She has no interest in this kind of music at all. And, uh, but she's very supportive. And at one point she was just like, <laughs> almost all of these bands to me sound like they're trying to do like an Eddie Vedder kind of like, ah! you know, kind of thing. And, but a Kurt Cobain is like, that is what that that's exactly what he's trying to do there. And, um, and I don't understand that because it's it does sound to me like well what is the thing that you guys want to do like what is the and I looked into Puddle of Mud I realized I, I've always kind of just associated them with having a terrible name and um you know just being like there's two D's why you know that kind of thing but like mm-hmm. I listen to this and I'm like I don't know what drives this band I don't know what interests this band because none of what they are doing and this song is not a, an example of an exception to that rule seems to have a point or a purpose beyond just sounding like other things that are acceptable, you know, or interest of interest to people years after that interest. I mean, this is not, this is not two weeks after smells like teen spirit came out and somebody's like, yes, I've got to make music like that. This is like 10 years after smell like teen spirit came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always funny. Cause they're, yeah, their whole thing was, yeah. Like this sort of almost Kurt Cobain thing that I remember at the time that he had a level of pushback on. He's like, this is just what my voice sounds like, you know? And now it seems like, this late in his career with um i don't know they're according to their wikipedia still going strong these boys mm-hmm. so um with it looks like the only the it appears only the lead singer is the only original member of the band which checks out tracks that tracks, tracks. they have an album coming out this year called ubiquitous so yeah. okay a lot of syllables now they call them mudheads mud, they call them mudheads puddle of mudheads uh, hmm. I think you mudheads. Mud- <laughs> oh, I like puddle jumpers. I like that. Yeah, I like puddle jumpers a lot. All right, next up, we've got the boys in Nickelback with their song wow. "Slow Motion." Just broke of the light in your tasteless joke. 
what's up with that hot shit stolen Don't worry cause it's not broken, it's just swollen Now I know bagging on Nickelback has become like a, an, a good old pastime for yeah. a lot of music critics and for the most part, I mean, Photograph and uh, the big hit, which I can't remember. Solid you songs. Me. You remind me. Those come on. I do not turn them off. But this stuff, I don't know if I'll ever like music like this because it's just not for me. Like, I can go back to the moment where I'm like, oh, no. And, you know, it's like right at that Pearl Jam end like when like right before yield comes out where everybody's trying to sound like that and i'm just like yeah i just don't this has never done it for me but open them cheeks was because we diving into some, some butt yeah. we're getting into the butt here this is butt rock this is a huge butt situation um according to the uh wikipedia this was a bonus track from their, bonus from their album the long road and i will tell you that looking at the songs that were on the long road that I'm aware of figured you out feeling way too damn good. And someday this definitely feels like a song that when they got it done, they were like, this is not up to par for us. Bonus <laughs> track, this shit. The chorus doesn't really hey, We work. got a B side. We, we got, got a, a real B side. Honestly, this feels like a C side to me. I really, I wrote in my notes that this chorus stinks. Um, and I don't, yeah. And also I wrote down the lyric, how you're feeling from day to day, well, about you now, that's your needing. Don't worry, because you're they're laughing and you're bleeding. I was like, what is going on here? What are we talking about here? I don't like the vibes here at all. The bleeding, I, I got to believe that this was sent over, and they're like, we got a Nickelback B-side, and then they're like, does it mention blood in any capacity? And they said, yes, at one point it's mentioned. They said, perfect, Punisher soundtrack, it's in. It's in. Track three. So here's my question. So I'm trying to think of Frank listening to this. Is this when he's tied up in a chair and somebody is trying to punish him? Is that what's happening? Like, no. Nah. Uh, you know what this is? Uh, this is this 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 is specific to this movie. This is a song that he listens to with his son before his son is killed when they're like on their way to Home Depot to get some PVC pipe because that vacation house they're staying at, it's just some kind there's some leaks in the shower outside and your grandmother is just, she's having some trouble. So we're going to go out. We're going to get up this morning. We're going to go take, I know you want to stay home. We're going to get up. We're going to go out. We're going to go to the Home Depot, get some PVC. And on the way there, he's just like riding with his dad, looking over at his dad. Nickelback is playing. Thomas Jane looks down at his son. He's proud of his son. They're running a father-son errand together. Nickelback's plant windows are down. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This this is one of the moments that his son is gonna play in his mind as he bleed outs on bleeds bleeds out on that Puerto Rican pier. <laughs> I'm dying in Tampa. He had a special moment, Nickelback with his dad. That's mm-hmm. that's when that's when the song gets played. Yeah. So there is an incredible comment on songmeanings.com. It's I'm from July fourteenth, twenty ten. It's from. Uh, I believe. Oh, happy birthday to this comment, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> congratulations. You're 12 comment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, this person's name, I believe, is supposed to be Jehoshaphat. <laughs> J-E-H-O-U-S-E-P-H-A-T. Nice. And they said, this stuff is the real Nickelback. Not the kind of perverted, distorted guitar solos crap they swim in now. 
It's pretty obvious what this song's about. He's leaving his girlfriend who lies to him and shows little care about their relationship. This song is not a single Patrick O'Connor 37 talking to another commenter. So my guess is that they wrote it as a non-album song, but either the Punisher soundtrack got a hold of it and therefore it actually became open to the public or Nickelback wrote it especially for the movie. Anyhow, it's a great song. I love that this guy's like, this isn't, this is the, this is that pure uncut nickel. All right. Is yeah, that this is that shit? real. That real shit. But then fucking lie yourself. <laughs> this is yeah, that man. real Nickelback. That real shit. This guy heard that guitar riff and he was like, oh, oh, real Nickelback. Finally. Real Nickelback. Finally. These boys been in the wilderness too long. <laughs> Hide them under a bushel. No. Amazing comment to write in 2010. <laughs> we're off and we're running hey uh, just next- remember that the internet is a permanent record of your thoughts and feelings <laughs> yes and despite their own best efforts songmeanings.com they're not going anywhere baby they're there they're here somebody's they're renewing that every year they're doing it uh next up a song i was very surprised to find in the soundtrack it is uh, a romeo void cover of never say never by queens of stone age <laughs> I gotta ask, and this is you know, yeah. not to jump ahead to all the other twenty-seven songs on this album um, <laughs> that we're gonna cover over the next seven and a half hours. I gotta ask. So, is this the only band on this list that has a sense of humor? Like, I don't feel like any of the other band. Like, I and I'm taking some of these bands I've never heard before, and I've only associate them with this album. But it feels to me like Queens of the Stone Age is the only band out of all these tracks where, like, you can imagine like these guys, like, I don't know, just not taking it so fucking seriously when they're in the studio oh yeah this song is baffling for the soundtrack for a number of reasons it has a swivel and a swing like it's like a dance song that Mm -hmm. none of the other songs have it's a song about sex the sex in this movie is weird Mm -hmm. when it is implied it's never shown but it's implied there's a scene where travolta goes to have sex with his wife and he he like she dips her head back like in this very like soap opera way and then he puts his face on her neck and then they just sort of hold there until it soft fades so it's almost like the, uh, like it's like you would move after that like is this dude just giving his wife a hickey in their 40s mm. okay well and, and also, and also he, she makes it clear that she's like it's time for you to have sex with this body um and this body has put on this crazy lingerie for you and the reason this is happening is because you killed 30 people for me like yes killed- that's right yes <laughs> yeah. she yeah. makes that explicit she's like she's like this look what i'm doing tonight i put on the heels tonight and and, and the punisher is like oh by the way my neck work is amazing what i well, can no, do to is, your this neck is, this is not the punisher this is the this is the villain oh this is the, yeah, the villain yeah no nah, i want to i want the punisher's neck work to be so here's the thing the punisher tier. the punisher in the comic 
over his entire history. Punisher gets laid a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much in the Ennis stuff. I don't think he actually has any sex in the Ennis stuff. He does. But... In Punisher Max. In Punisher Max, he has that um uh, the special ops lady. You're right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there is a running theme through. I know the Mike Barron stuff into the Chuck Dixon stuff, <laughs> where he, where Punisher will come across uh, a blonde woman somewhere in his adventures. She will be disgusted by this man. <laughs> she will have one interaction with him. And then she will fuck his brains out. <laughs> it is like clockwork. It just keeps happening. They meet him and they're just like, who's this disgusting monster? And then they're like within him for like, yeah, they're, they're by him for like a couple days. And they're like, he's six foot tall. He's built like a fucking oak tree. Um, his hair is the blackest black. Uh, yep, I'm in. I'm in. And then and sometimes they die. And he's like, you weren't about that life. Yes, yeah. <laughs> literally. What the fun. The, I don't know. I I am blown away. I was blown away. I, I so I kind of left this out in the initial talk. Uh, during COVID, I decided that I was going to get all the '90s Punisher run, Punisher self-titled, Punisher Warzone, Punisher War Journal. I was going to get them all off of eBay and whatever. And I did. Took me a little bit of time. Took me a little bit of money, but I got them all. And then I read them all in order of release, basically. Yeah, there are multiple times where. Uh, someone that is working with the Punisher who's like, I agree with you, I align with you, I'm going to help you. They die. And there's someone's like, oh no! And Punisher's like, they weren't about that life. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. You know, but then if they the Punisher, really cared; they wouldn't have died. Yeah, <laughs> but then, but then there'll be moments where the Punisher, the Punisher is somebody gets the drop on him. He's about to die, and he will be saying about himself, "I guess I wasn't about this life. I'm a stupid mm-hmm. idiot." The Punisher's always yelling at himself. He's like, "I'm sloppy. I was sloppy. Screwed up. Mm-hmm. Rookie thing." And he's always like, ready for death. He's like, "If I die, I, I deserve it because I blew it. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have, shouldn't have been standing on this roof. I should have done a. I should have got underneath the house. You know, like mm-hmm. that's that's what he'll be thinking." Yeah. yeah so he doesn't have. Yeah, Punisher doesn't hook up with anybody in the movie. Rebecca Romaine, Stamos, or whatever she was going by he, at the he, time. I think he hooks up with his wife before she dies. That's right, he I does. Think, yeah, 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 yeah. Because they and make. Do we that really con- call it the hooking up with your wife when you're like, "Hey, I haven't seen you while. Well. We have a child together. We've been married for many years. Maybe we could hook up tonight. Maybe we could hook up." <laughs> oh, they, to well, answer they, your question though about uh, is Queens of the Stone Age the only ones that have comedy? I would say yeah, like. Number one, Josh, Josh Homie or Hom, however you want to pronounce his last name. I didn't do it right. Um, he was on crystal meth pretty much throughout all of this time. So I'm sure he was a hoot and a holler. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these bands seem to me that like they'll ha- they'll say that they're fun. Uh-huh. But like, oh, dude, you got to talk to our drummer. He's a cra- he's crazy. And then you talk to his drummer and all he does is like Austin powers impersonations yeah. like that's what makes him like the crazy one is, is he's like yeah baby way too late or or an ace ventura reference that's yeah. what a lot of these bands hit me with with uh their comedy stylings there's not yeah. there's it, listening to that nickelback song um uh, what struck me when i was thinking about it's like it actually made me think about stabbing westward which is a band i, I uh I'm, I'm a i'm a deep and i know you're not a fan of that but i'm a deep in the woods i'm a stabby that's what i call it but like it made me think like i was like did nickelback have songs when they're talking about a breakup where they're the one at fault and not like like they're the one at fault because they're like the problem you know or is it always like you left me and you're causing like it's always like there's always this like 
kind of veiled version of like I don't know. I don't know. Misogyny seems like a strong word, but I don't know what else to call it. Like this thing where it's just like, no, it's this fucking girl betrayed me and broke my heart. And it's never like, they ever have songs with like, cause Queens of the Stone Age is a band that has some complexity to it. Like where you could be the asshole too in the relationship. You could be the problem. Whereas I listen to a band like Nickelback and what I imagine they're representing. And it's always like, no, it's my, I I'm the best and you left and I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, they have a song on the same album called Figured You Out. So, I mean, <laughs> I have a feeling they're, they're not taking the blame on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so this is a bright spot. Look, um, just to, I, I got to say, just to defend Stabbing Westford, though, I think Stabbing Westford's thing is that they're literally, like, laying on the floor in their room just going, like, why are you going away? And you're like, she's going away because you're like this all the time, man, mm-hmm. all the fucking time, you know? 20 I, years I'm, in and we're still going like is this guy ever going to get over whatever that girl was that dumped him when he was 14 is he ever going to let it go i am i am a fellow stabby i love stabbing westward saw them on tour a few years ago and it was the most joyous performance of depressed songs i've ever seen dude was joking with the audience he was having the best time while singing the saddest songs and he's living his best life so yeah. I, I i love that and i yeah and i love stabbing westward and uh, so is uh is Frank listening to this song on his way to the comedy club because he's he just <laughs> uh you know what this is the song Frank would listen to while he's got to run a beer run for the family reunion mm-hmm. after having the conversation with his wife about I think they have a conversation about oh they see their son sleeping who is like nine eight or nine and they're like we should have another one yeah. and I was like you're having this conversation now when he's nine? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's hilarious to me. Um, so this is what he's listening to on a beer run. This is a beer <laughs> this run. This is song. something all parents do. At You get past all, like, these crazy milestones that have sapped the life out of you. Nine years old, they're, like, nearly, they're getting towards, heading towards autonomy, being able to take care of themselves, that they don't need your 24-7 surveillance to make sure that they don't get absolutely wasted by the jungle that is life. And then you're like, let's hit that reset button and go back to no sleep as older people. What a dream. Nine years later, let's go back. You know how my shoulder got screwed up from holding my daughter in the chair when she would wake up at two in the morning for a full fucking year? Let's do that again. Let's run it back. Run it back. <laughs> run it back. Run, run it, it back. back. I have forgotten nine years. Let's do it. Rewind. Uh, so we're in this vibe right now. We're, swiv- we're, we're, we're wiggling our hips. We're dancing. There's some sexy vibes going on. And the soundtrack said, fuck you. <laughs> Next song, it's Seether featuring Amy Lee with Broken. <laughs> oh, you were having fun? Mm-mm. Nope. This is, a, this is a Punisher soundtrack. <laughs> Oh, I'm straight in the cheeks.
there we go. We heard the two seconds of Amy Lee. Yeah. Um, so um, she does get a she does get a whole verse. This song oh, is in the movie twice. Twice. It is the only song that Rebecca Romaine's character listens to. Apparently, um, <laughs> she sits in her apartment and she listens to "Broken" by Seether featuring Amy Lee on a loop while barricading her door against abusive boyfriends that the Punisher has to. I don't know if he kills the guy, but he definitely beats him up. So that's way, where Frank hears this song. That's it's the just... only context in which he's hearing this song. I do not like this song. Um, <laughs> and uh, I would say, though, that I am in the minority because on songmeanings.com, people love this song. People are living for this song. People are relating to this song. Commenter Doodle said, this is on the Punisher soundtrack, and I adore this song. The feeling behind it and what it means to me is overpowering. I can't stop listening to it when it comes on. So, Art Imitating Life, if Rebecca Romaine has this on a loop in the movie, apparently people in real life also have this song on on a loop. And then Oh, Penny- side note on that. Side yeah. note on that. So, Amy Lee, uh, singer in Evanescence. I was just on Josh Toomey's new new Metal podcast, mm-hmm. and they were doing a bracket. And like against all these monster new metal albums, Evanescence has made it to the top and it is against System of a Down. So like that's one and two and or those are the ones that are against each other for who's the best new metal album. And, you know, it's it was like, really, Evanescence's album is, is up there. And I go to Josh, I'm like, we've only really gotten pushback on two artists whose fans are like, yeah, don't fuck around with these guys. And it was 311. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Their fans yeah. hated our takes. Yep. And it's Evanescence. Evanescence yep. fans, uh, don't fuck around. They love Evanescence a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, hard. Ride <laughs> or die. Man, so, I saw yeah. 311, like, I saw 311, I think, twice when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time they stormed. We stormed the. I was with some guys who like we stormed the. We stormed the floor. Like we could get out there in the standing room only. Fuck the bullshit. It's time to throw down. <laughs> I guess amber was the color of their energy. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So this is a, a three eleven, <laughs> and I have not thought of a three eleven. Woo! Woo! That's taking uh, me back. Yeah, there is a. I'm not going to read it. Um, but there is a giant comment under this song from chino 69 a commenter we've talked about many times on this uh on the show and uh, i just going to read you this first this is how he opened this giant con- comment this is the incredible thing about rock it is not based on how melody can fit together into a stream it to me is like taking two crashing worlds together and then he basically talks about how the low voice of the seether guy mixed with the high voice of Amy Lee, merged together to create beautiful rock alchemy over multiple paragraphs. I don't know. This song is just like a bummer, um, and I don't really care to hear it ever again. Also, Seether, I put them in the same category as Puddle of Mud and a couple of guys who just are like, we, we, we're we ripping off everybody. Who you mm-hmm. got? We're okay. ripping them off. Nirvana, Tool, Stained. If there's a Jarl, I'm in. Yep. I'm in. They're, I, I wrote their yeah. Modern Rock's Great Plagiarists. So that's them. And you know what? <laughs> Seether's on this thing twice. So <laughs> you'll see them later. <laughs> uh, but first, we have to hear from Smile Empty Soul and their song, Finding Myself. 
no. It was too much for you to take, Tucker. <laughs> we, are, we are 27 seconds into that song, and it is broke. <laughs> when he hits that, I just like, what are you, why is that the take you used, man? Like, why did you go? Um, there's, no, a thing the that I, there's a thing that I do that I had to make myself stop doing because I was like, no, let's not. I, I don't want to. I want to push past like the obvious kind of, you know, way to make fun of some of this stuff, you know, like I want to not because I want to find a better way to make fun of it. I just like, no, I want to try to understand it a little bit. You know, I want to not stop just at the place where I'm like, oh, this isn't for me. I want to figure out what it is that I'm like, you know, responding to. And uh, but the thing I kept doing before I made that decision was I just imagined these guys in the studio and I imagined the guy doing these kind of like these licks and then this guy's like oh won't you and i just imagine the other guys in the band just going like yeah like nodding their head like pointing at each other like there That's he goes it. That's there the he one. goes oh uh, and then he's like free and i just imagine fuck yeah all right here we this is the one you know like and a drummer's waiting ready oh he's gonna come in soon and i just keep imagining them having that level of like gravitas and teamwork for these songs and i'm like what the fuck this is so fucking bad but um here's here's Give it to me. So at the beginning, you said, you know, um, I thought that there was just a couple bands that were a soundtrack band. Mm -hmm. And if you would have said Smile Empty Soul was one of them, I would have been like, yes, because I have never heard of this band who's been in operation since 1998 and is still making music. I have never heard of this band. Which is, you know, shame on me. Real shame on me. Uh, thank you, Punisher, for bringing them. To, but <laughs> this does seem very much like we need a, like, they already had Puddle of Mud. Mm -hmm. We already had Seether. There's 19 tracks here. Do we get paid by the track? What? This is. I think this was an intern who wanted to show that they were ready to be bumped up to salary. They were like, listen, you gave me a job. Here you go. 19, baby. 19 tracks. Boom. There you go. I mean, it, this 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 is one of the ones that like feeds into like my feeling of like that these are like the an album like this. How does an album like this make get made? You know, I mean, like you know, you guys we, we talked about the Spawn album and they have that. You know, you have like the Judgment Night and Spawn stuff where it's like there's a design, there's a point to what right. they're doing. Mm -hmm, and like yeah. I, I look at something like this and it feels like the design and the point is like it's literally like a guy like it's just like a, produ a production company is like these are the things we have to assemble these are the pieces that have to go together to make this soundtrack and like what are we going to use in the movie and they're like we're only using these two this is how much you're going to fill like this is the amount of time we want to fill out these are the amount of people we want to make happy in terms of producers or whatever this is the amount of boxes we have to check because you listen so to we've heard point. the only songs that are in the movie already we're, yeah, we're done. No, everything oh, wait, else wait. from here. There's there's one other one. I realize the last song is actually performed in the movie. Oh, the, the that woman? The, the okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. Okay, that's that's super interesting. Oh, so not, oh, I'm sorry. So not, that's the, the Hitman song. Yeah, the cowboy guy. Not, yeah. but not the woman. There's a song that plays that I don't, that is in the credits, but it's not on the soundtrack. And it's the band who plays at Saints and Sinners. Right, yeah, that's not on the soundtrack. Which yeah. is, that's such an obvious win. Like, Thrill right? calls us in the crow. Like, come exactly, on. Like, exactly, exactly. You, you have all these songs. Put the band in the fucking Yeah, Medicine's I I in, in the crow, too. Yeah. I never understand that. Like, when the movie literally has a great song in it, and that's not on the soundtrack. 
but instead this oh, yeah. Sorry, feels Matt, it's, it's not a great song i just mean it is a song <laughs> right but but like <laughs> by a person this right now feels like a sampler mm-hmm. that you get from a record label of artists that are on that record label exactly yes yeah. There's like where there is no rhyme or reason to it. It's just like, no, um, we're we're a universal music group, and we have trap, trap, Chevelle, Damage Plan, Seether, Edgewater, Finger Eleven, Ben. Mo- this is our rock sampler. Here, <laughs> I, here you go. When I bought the the new Stabbing Westward album, they sent me a digital link to like that record label's like sampler, and I listened to it, and I was like. That sounds good. I'm good. I'm just a stabby guy. I don't actually need to take the cut into whoever the stabby guy is producing these days. I'm good. So uh, I think Frank Castle is listening to this to make sure that he can assemble a gun under duress. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, that is uh, – Yeah, I like when he gets his uh, his um, his stuff together, when he gets his um, – um, why can't I think of the word? Like his, his – uh, ammunition and and his guns and gear is uh, he just goes back to where his whole family was massacred and which they've all cleaned up incredibly but they left all the guns that all were the there yeah. and he's just smashing glass with his hands pulling guns out wrapping guns in carpet and then uh saying to the magical black man who saved his life i've got a job to do got work to do and and then and, they, and that guy literally just like makes eye contact with him and is like okay don't involve me I'm not going to, I'm not involved in that. I'm not, I nursed you back to life, which by the way, he should be, he, I mean, they really do kill him. I mean, he gets shot four times, twice in the chest and blown up. And somehow this magical black man is able to just sprinkle some dust on him. So we don't even see that. We don't even get this classic Steven Seagal, Native American, Aboriginal brings me back to life sequence. You know, I I say embrace it. I say embrace it. Uh, so we are in now the part of the album that is um, really uh, acoustic, acoustic lane, I guess we could call it. Because we got another sad one here. It's trapped, lost in a portrait. I never expected this uh, this <laughs> soundtrack to bring this out of me, but like this uh, this soundtrack so far is really bringing to light how important the lead singer is, mm-hmm. how important that front man is, because like when the lead singer is truly like a tortured soul, or has the ability to tap into a tortured soul thing, mm-hmm. it, it comes across and you're like, wow, wow. Jonathan Davis, say what you will about the song Daddy. It's a very difficult song to listen to, mm-hmm. but he's fucking there. Like, I believe every moment of it. You go to another song 
by another artist and it's like oh um i'm trying to pull an artist that can sing a slow song and you're there with them like their pain is your pain oh nina simone when she sings a song you're like holy fucking shit i hear all of it i hear every emotion that you have in your body coming out of your voice i hear stuff like this and it's like this singer means this but i don't fucking believe you i don't believe you at all i believe that you think that this is what pain is supposed to sound like and it's like it's the difference between like good to great like it's good i love the musicianship like there's a million and a half songs that sound like that that have that feel and i do like that sound like the meadly little guitar that we have going underneath it but you put that vocalist on top of it and i'm like mate mate i'm out i I gotta go and i i I don't like that's uh i know it's a feature not a bug but like i am not here for it if you love trapped good for you i'm just you don't buy him you don't buy him I'm not buying. I, no, yeah, it's it's an oversell for me. When every time I heard this on the first time I heard it, I said, "Oh no, oh no." There's there is a note was given wrong here uh, to to really really dig into this vocal, and I don't think it works at all. I think he could have he could have he could have given us the same song and turned that shit down by half, and we would have been fine. But he is like. Like they, they went to him and they were just like, listen, man, you need to feel this thing so deep in you. And I don't think this guy has, I don't think he has the range, like the, the emotional range to do it. And this is also, I don't know why anyone who listens to Trapped, who I only know for the song Headstrong, right, right. Uh, would be wanting this from them. Like this is... This seems like it's serving an an audience that doesn't exist. Frankly, this is if I like Trapped and I like the song Headstrong, and I heard this song, I'd be like, no, get this out of here. Give me another Headstrong. That's what I need. This feels um, like, an much app, this feels like a, a requirement. Like it feels like I because the little I know about Trapped, I'm like, I'm like, this feels like every rose has its thorn for poison. It's like nobody yep. buys a poison album because they they might buy a poison album because they hear that song, but they're not looking for like. 10 of those songs they want one of those songs interspersed amongst all the poison music and this like sounds to me like it's a boxy check like it's like we need to have one of those kind of emote heavy songs on a trapped album because they're just supposed to be there but like Mm -hmm. i don't i don't I don't, yeah, know, I, I, I don't know if this is the first time this uh, particular musical has ever come up on here, but it reminds me, uh, I took my wife to see Oklahoma uh, like oh, last yeah. year. I went to go see, and it's like this new Oklahoma that was on Broadway. Yes. Uh, that, like, they tried a lot of different stuff. But there's a part, that, I was watching it, and um, I had never seen Oklahoma before. I looked it up a little bit before to kind of understand the story. But you know, it's a very old musical, and it has a very traditional kind of character at one point who's talking about how much she... It, generally speaking it's like a song about i love this person so much this is the person who is meant for me like the person who's going to be my person forever like my soulmate that kind of thing but as i'm watching this this woman who's incredibly talented vocal performer perform it i was like you know i'm not buying this and it reminded me of something um a woman i i do podcast with sometimes celia madison said she's like there's certain actors you watch and you're like it doesn't it's a period piece but you look at this person you're like i i don't believe that this person exist without cell phones like i don't believe that this character in the night in this movie that's a 1940s movie doesn't know about twitter and social media and watching this lady perform this song about soulmates in oklahoma i was like this is a modern woman and she's a modern woman who's like 
yeah, and this is just some guy I'm dating when I'm 19. I mean, it doesn't, if this doesn't work out, I mean, obviously I'll just hop on, I'll find somebody else. No big deal. Like dating is a thing. Like no man is like my thing. Like it's just, it's like, it's an arc. It's a, it's not that it's an archaic idea that can't be sold because I love sentimental shit that sells that all the time. I can watch like movies with my daughter and stuff like that, where they're like, it is all that stuff. And I believe it, but there's certain performers. You're just like, no, you're just too modern. Like you don't believe that like, if this doesn't work out, you've lost the love of your life. You're like, no, I'll get them. I'll get it. I'll get like 10 more loves in my life before I turn 45. And then I'm going to marry somebody when I'm 47 and I'll be goodbye. It's going to be fine. You know? And I listen to this and I'm like, come on, man, you don't give that much. You're this lead singer attract. You don't give that much of a shit about somebody. What are you talking about? Well, like for, for as much shit as I have given stained in Aaron Lewis, I believe him more. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily like, even though the new songs are kind of rippers, kind of rippers. But like, yeah. I don't like. It's been a while, but I do believe it's been a while. Like, no. I don't know. <laughs> there, it's just that thing where it's just like it is not. This is not scientific. This is a feeling, and it's like I don't like it, but I do feel it's been a while, and I do not feel this song. I think I kind of came around on Stain, to be honest, because I've always been like, I don't fucking like those guys. I don't fucking like those dudes. But I think for exactly what you're talking about, when I like look back on some of that stuff, I'm not like, I don't, I don't have Stained in my, uh, in my rotation or anything like that. But when that stuff is like, when I'm thinking about that, that guy, I'm like, no, that guy meant it. That guy meant it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy what may have been, the thing about, the thing about for me, like with Stained is like, at the time that Stained is doing the thing and I'm like, I don't like it. I was more like, I don't like this whole thing. I don't like Mm -hmm. everything that's in this house. I don't like everything that's in this department. I don't like everything in this category. And now the years have passed, it's like, oh no, I actually just didn't like all that stuff was like, that I think you're talking about, Matt. I didn't like the trapped stuff surrounding him because you take him out of it. And I'm like, oh no, that guy's fine. I think that guy, I believe that guy. I've met that guy. Like I've met, you know, I've met guys who are like, hell yeah, they look like that. But then they start talking. They're like, oh, this, this man's, this man's got a lot of feelings (laughs) and he's Mm -hmm. ready to talk. Yeah friend of the show garrett fuller uh, of wayne county life fame he talks about the type of song that is that this is is for the guy who's two seconds away from crying like at all time (laughs) but like is is but nobody has let him just do it like and he that person won't let themselves do it because if i if i express that emotion for some reason for something that i believe in I'm not who I thought I was. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're right there. The whole, like that tension when you connect, like again, Aaron Lewis actually expresses that emotion of a guy who cannot let themselves go there. Even though everything in them is like, just go there. Just, you will feel so much better. And it's like, it's not about me feeling better. It is about me getting through this feeling that I don't like. I love so, it. I, I Who knew it, Trapped would get that out of us? This it's, is- a, it's a it's a utility. It's like it's like a it's like a utilitarian thing. It's like a thing where it's like it's like guys, I'm, I'm ready for you. I'm gonna give your passageway to emotion. <laughs> like you just take this into the room. You pop this sucker on. For me, it was what a that what's that third eye Bly song from the City of Angels? I'll just put that on. I'm 18 years old. I'm driving down the highway because I lived in rural Georgia. I had to drive like an hour everywhere. I'm just listening. I'm like, hell yeah. yeah fuck. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the emotions coursing through my veins. I'm going to shove them back down. <laughs> but, but I can feel them coming. <laughs> I'll, I will tell you the truth. The last song I cried to while driving 
was Jimmy Eat World's The Middle. Oh. Because oh, it is a very up song, but the lyrics are not up in that song. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it is... Like, and I actually just listened to them, and it was like, I was on my way to meet with my dad. We're a little estranged, and by a little, I mean a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, that song came on, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I fondly remember uh, college, staying up all night with uh, with uh, the girl who was about to become my, my longtime college girlfriend, just listening to Goodbye Sky Harbor, and we're like, oh, man. Let's put that oh, sucker boy. on. Let's put that sucker on one more time. Let's talk about our feelings. Let's, I don't care that let's... it's two in the morning. I don't care if the song's 16 minutes long. <laughs> Throw that sucker right back on. Oh, God. Uh, well, Jimmy guys, <laughs> luckily we only have 20 more songs. To That's right. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna chug it back up, you guys, go. with Chevelle and their song Still Running. This is a hardcore Tool Town vibe here, but I appreciated the fact that they were trying to riff us back after those uh, acoustic tracks. But like most Chevelle, as I've said in the past, this never really takes off. It has a chorus of sorts at 155, but my problem, it's my, my its my Chevelle problem. Uh, and I know there's a lot of Chevelle heads out there. But yeah, these the, the Chevelle, they, they are seething. They are ripping themselves to shreds but they never quite hit the catharsis release that I look for in in the rock, uh, even in the tool that they're, you know, blatantly ripping off here. Uh, but uh, I didn't think this was bad. I mean, it was about what I expected. I was like, oh, Chevelle's on this? Chevelle's not going to give us an acoustic one. We're going to get some seething anger in there. I wrote in my notes that the lyrics could be about murder, so that could work. Now, this was also, this was an album track on their album, This Type of Thinking Could Do Us In which was released in September of 2004. I don't know if this is an album that's been pushed for us to do. I don't think we get too much Chevelle push anymore after we did their one album. Uh, but I did want to note that Robert Kreisgau reviewed uh, that album, and he gave Ooh. it a bomb emoji. Classic Kreisgau. So this one, I would say in the context of the album, thank you for uh, getting us out of the acoustic hole we were in. But, uh, you know, it's Chevelle. Tucker, how are you in Chevelle? I, I don't. I have no opinion on this band. There we go. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I am glad it was not another. You know, mm. <laughs> I wanna know. <laughs> I'm gonna yarrow. Did you I'm just my letter? <laughs> I'm just a girl who can't say no. Um, uh, I what I will say you got about a fast this car. <laughs> 
<laughs> what I will say about this is like they had a good riff, but yeah, Lauren, it's like where's the break? Where's where's the plane with dynamics? Um, where's the release? Yeah, just needed a little bit more. But I wasn't I was definitely glad to hear uh a chug. Welcome, Chug. Now, songmeanings.com has two comments that are wild. The first one is from TreeSmart7, August 19th, 2007, who said, Not sure what this song means, but every time I put it on, girlfriend gets horny. <laughs> I mean, really horny. I mean, extended ellipses. It's on and popping extended ellipses. I mean, it go time. I mean, ba te ba te boom so it was frank castle putting this on to, uh, <laughs> to score to rake in the poon <laughs> i am blown away at the idea that this guy's like time to get things going in the bedroom and his girlfriend's like oh is that is that my sexy tune are you playing some chevelle for me his sex playlist has one song and it's this, this one <laughs> This is all he needs. It doesn't need anything else. Five times. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna. Feel, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna push back. I feel like a comment that long with that many I means. I think maybe one time this guy got laid after hearing <laughs> after playing Chevelle, and he was like, "Oh," and he's 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 fabricating. Like he's he's extrapolating from that. I don't. I don't believe that there's a woman in this world. The world's a big place. I don't believe there's a lady out there who's like, "Oh God." Oh. <laughs> 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 I gotta get out of these clothes. <laughs> how, how dare you, Tom? <laughs> uh, uh, and then this other comment is from Pearl Jam seventy nine, uh, who said the new version. So basically, apparently, uh, there are two different versions of this song. Maybe the one that's on the album is different. Um, and they said the new version is really awesome. I'm an intern at a radio station and have heard the new CD already. It will blow you away. People don't download the new CD. Just go buy it. Support the band. They are worth it. I know that when I interned at a radio station, I always said I am an intern at a radio station. Never identified mm -hmm. the station. Never gave anything. Definitely not a plant. Definitely not a desperate worker in the music industry trying to get someone to not illegally download the new Chevelle. And I salute you for that. Well done. Now, here's the song that I have been dying to talk about. It's Damage Plan featuring Jerry Cantrell, Ashes to Ashes. Ugh. From the chainzine. Oh. This is this is a direct chainzine, Matt. Direct from the source. No imitation. Yeah. Straight Cantrell. Straight in your veins. 
You know that uh, old-timey film footage of the man getting hit in the belly with a bowling ball? Yes. That was me getting changed on this one. Uh, This song is incredible for me because I thought this was Jerry Cantrell on vocals and guitar. It's just on vocals. So this is Damage Plan getting the real deal Jerry Cantrell on a song and then saying, we're going to make it sound like an Alice in Chains song. We're going to pull all of the sounds from classic Alice in Chains and work it all into this song with our hero. I love this song. This is great. It was a bonus track, apparently, on the uh, on the Damage Plan album. Should have been on the album. This was a very pleasant surprise. Every time I heard this, I was like, Damage Plan is crushing here. You definitely hear the, the Pantera of it all in there. Oh, this is top tier. Loved it a lot. Uh, I think this is the best song in the album, and it's not even close. Um, and I wrote the lyric down. A begging mercy shifting playing on both sides. Cut your own throat open and ask me how you died. Yes. Also, there's a great Dimebag solo at 3.30 of Dimebag basically paying tribute to Jerry Cantrell. Like, look what I can do, Jerry. I love it. Beautiful. Great song. Tucker? I'm also, I'm, I'm a big fan of the song. I like, I mean, I, I liked Pantera a lot. And then, I, I don't know, I, I think I was just like waiting to get into Damage Plan. And then obviously everything happens in 2004 and you're kind of like, all of a sudden it becomes this different thing entirely. But I'm, I, I mean, I think we're probably similar in age and so alice in chains for me is like all of high school is alice in chains you know yeah mm-hmm. and um no I, this is the best song yeah i mean I, this is the best song on the album this is the most um resonant song for me personally on the album it's the it's the song that i actually would like except for the queens of the stone age it's the song i probably would have like found organically on my own you know having not come to it because it's I'm doing this podcast with you guys and everything like that uh yeah fucking rules fucking rules dieback daryl fucking rules Jerry Crenshaw fucking rules. Like, all that stuff is awesome. I like all of those things. Uh, so, Matt, you're the odd man out on this one. That's okay. Uh, I mean, yeah. it, it, somebody has to be, right? And right. It, it is me on this one. And that's okay. I'm used to it. Yeah. There's no comments in SawMinions.com because there's nothing to say because they fucking crushed it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well done, everybody. And now... Are there, like, live performances of this song? Is there, did, is there mm-hmm. anything... Did they have a chance uh, to, like, do anything with this? I don't think they, I think this was, I don't think they did this live because uh, when I was Googling it, yeah, I don't think, yeah, I didn't see anything. Um, if there is a live performance of this with Jerry, I would love to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, not, not that I'm aware of. All right, Matt, well, you'll be happy to know we're done with that because Seether's back. <laughs> oh, thank God. With their song Sold Me. Oh, by the way, Ashes to Ashes, is this, uh, what's Frank Castle doing during this? Is he getting inspiration to, for catchphrases? What is he doing? I would say this is what he plays after a successful murder. After this is he's what he's just... playing at the end when he's driving on when he's driving away from Tampa, and mm-hmm. then he stops to get out. This is what he's playing when he's thinking about you know when he's coming up with his rules. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, because Frank does end the movie by driving onto a Tampa bridge and then just stopping on it in the middle to get off and look out at the water. And he's like, this song's too fucking good. I got to enjoy this. And he refers to himself as the Punisher and that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. He's not the Revenger. (laughs) Well, it's shout out to whoever wrote the copy for the DVD because they didn't watch the movie because in the movie he makes it clear that what he's doing is not vengeance. And on the back of the DVD, they're like, this is vengeance. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he says expl- he says it's not vengeance it's not vengeance is it's not it's punishment and the dvd guy's this like is, no no it is 
<laughs> I am not vengeance. I am punishment. Yeah, it's the same guy who also is like they're like it's Thomas Jane. And he's like Tom Jane. They're like Thomas, and he's like Tom. <laughs> oh, got it. Tom. Old Tommy Tom Johns. Tom Jane. Tom Jane. It's the Italian uh, Tommy Vitalumenti. <laughs> All right, here's Seether with sold me. <laughs> God damn it. And it's just fucking up, man. Man, it was I was into that. Yeah. They are ripping until that part. They are yeah. ripping. And then they have a smoothed out chorus. But I have to say I did write in my notes that when I heard that chorus, I was like, This is why CD gets paid the big bucks. This is why oh, the CD chorus? The chorus. I mean it's it's a smoothed out. If you want to hear it, it's smoothed out, but it's exactly the type of thing you're like, Yep, it's money in the bank, Matt. I just hear clinking coins when I hear that chorus. those fucking lighters you are right unfortunately that that chorus is money in the bank it is right down the middle it is exactly what you need this is the type of song that says, says hey hey matt hey tucker see there's coming to town this weekend we gotta go because they're gonna play sold me and we gotta get in that pit Put our fucking hands up. Put our fucking hands up. We're not gonna mosh. We're just gonna put our fucking hands up. And I told you that you sold me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like if you're like deep into this stuff, then like just just admit you're just like a collective soul guy. Just admit you're like a live guy. It's cool, man. We can all just hang out. Hey, man. Listen to white I discussion. A, I don't give a fuck, man. I got, a, I got a copy of Throwing Copper. I'm not. I'm not here. <laughs> I was. I was listening. I was listening to it not too long ago. Uh, I listened to that streaming thing, and I was like, you know, this is cool and all, but I want to listen to the uh, the version uh, the, from Virtuosity. I want to listen to that one where they went and got the rapper to come in on white discussion, and he was like rapping against Ed Kowalczyk while they're like, end of discussion. This will be what we say. Like, oh man, I was like, hell yeah, hell yeah, yeah. Back, yeah. rewind. <laughs> I even, I even was like, you know what? It's been twenty years. I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna hit play on um, lightning crashes. And about halfway through lightning crashes, I was like, nah, nah. I'm just, I'm a white discussion guy. I'm a white, I'm a shit town guy. That's who I am. <laughs> uh, so I, I appreciated the the level of rocking going on here. They're kind of ripping, which is what I best thing I can say about Seether. Um, and also lyrically, we have themes of betrayal, which works well for a movie which is steeped in betrayal. Mm-hmm. This whole movie is about Frank being betrayed by his partner, but then also Howard Saint feeling betrayed by his right-hand man and his wife due to the machinations of the Punisher, mm-hmm. um, who, I got to tell you, when I saw this movie in theaters, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I need more violence. There's movies not violent enough, but the Punisher's definitely going to start shooting people. And so he's like, I've got a plan. And I'm like, oh, cool. Punisher's about yeah. to go kill some people. Yeah. He pulls up to this car and he gets out a fake 
fire hydrant and he puts it down next to the car. And I remember I saw it with my buddy McCarty and we're like, what is going on? Why is the Punisher doing pranks? Does this elaborate thing of convincing Howard Saint that his right-hand man is is having sex with his wife. Mm. So elaborate. And I'm like, the Punisher wouldn't do this. No. The Punisher is about efficiency. If you read enough of these comics, and I shouldn't, Tucker, you and I certainly have, the Punisher is like in and out. He's not looking for mind games. He's not a mind games guy. No. He's a shoot you. The game, in the, if he's going to play a mind game with you, it's the game of a bullet going into your brain. That's the, the frank mind game. That's all the game he's playing. <laughs> your, your mind is out. Is out. <laughs> That's yeah. the game. That's the game. And so this idea that he's like, oh, I need to like torture these people, Frank would never. He would just – he's like, who did who did this? The, the wife did this to me? He'd, shoot her, he'd go up. He'd shoot her in the face. He'd move on. Mm-hmm. He's like, efficiency, next job, next job, because he's insane. Mm-hmm. Punishment just- seems to be the mode here. This is yeah. like, oh, you did something wrong? Uh, punishment is death. So let's yeah. just go. Let's move on. Yeah, and so uh, so that was very frustrating as a viewer in 2004. Viewing it now in 2023, I was just like, this is just so dumb. There's so much extra work here, Frank. You could just blow the car up, kill yeah. him. It's so easy. Also, everyone knows where Howard St. lives, you know? So that's like a whole other thing. Also, it's very funny that they know where the Punisher lives. And like you said, a bomb. Just blow, just blow up, up his house. <laughs> like, they, both of them could fix this. Also, Howard St.'s club... I saw so many safety violations just in the panning shots. That raised dance floor. Who mm-hmm. isn't falling off that raised dance floor that has no railings? <laughs> it's, it, well, I, do, I, I, I was impressed too. Like I was watching, you know, I, I read the same thing you did about the CGI versus practical. And when he blows up, when he does finally like, you know, cause explosions at the end of the movie to blow up the club, you can tell from like the way it falls over that all they're actually destroying is the fake shit that they attach to this existing building that makes it a club. And that fake shit is literally just two towers, one that says saints and one that says sinners. Cause his name's Howard Saint. And like, but it's clearly like a bank building or something like that's an office complex. And so when they have the blow up, they show that they shoot it from down and you just see that like, yeah, you just knocked over the relics. You just knocked over the scaffolding that said saints and sinners. And that's like the big, Hey, you know, we we we've, we've exploded this, which is also I read some piece of trivia that um that house from the beginning in Puerto Rico where the family reunion is held, yeah. that doesn't really look like a house. It's not a house. It's the public bathrooms and changing rooms at that part of the beach. <laughs> <laughs> the interiors are shut somewhere else, but all the exteriors were like, isn't that just a bathroom? Yes, it's just a bathroom. That's all that is. It's a bathroom with the tent that's sitting outside of it. Movie magic. Mm. We're gonna turn this bathroom and it's gonna be a home. A beautiful home to have a family reunion in. I love it. Next up, a band I've never heard of, Edgewater. Eyes Wired Shut.
right, that's straight down the middle. Very I, enjoyable, catchy chorus. I'm not bit. turning it off. I listened to, we gave the whole sample. I'm just a little surprised that on the Punisher soundtrack, they decided to put a song on that's really about how senior year is the best year of your life. If we don't get laid this year, guys, there's no way we can go to college. All right, we're making a pact right now, okay? Senior year, we're getting laid somehow, some way, and Edgewater is our soundtrack. I always love the three guy, we're all going to get laid pact. Like, if they don't get to the pact do they just sleep with each other to make sure that they can fulfill the obligation no they just (laughs) participate in one of the greatest the second greatest high school ritual involving sex of all time which is lying about it they just lie about it (laughs) oh my girlfriend in niagara falls is very very hot yeah Mm -hmm. i'll be seeing her over spring break if you know what i mean annual trip Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, <laughs> we call it a sex trip. <laughs> so this is this is I like I, I just want to read you. This is how the drummer describes themselves, Edgewater. Oh, oh I love this. Mm-hmm. Our music is like our band name. It's got that edge to it, and it's crunchy and really thick in the hardest places. But the overlays and melodies flow like water over the top. People say that music criticism is dead. It's not dead. Music critics it's, are just our greatest artists now. They've just like trans- they're not they're not bothering writing for Pitchfork. They're not no going. Way. They're, they're not looking at Robert Christgau going. That's what I'm gonna do. They're looking at Edgewater and being like, I'm gonna make it myself. I'm gonna be the what's that Teddy Roosevelt thing? I'm gonna be the man who stands in the ring, not the man who stands outside. No, 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 no. <laughs> no I am no. the man. That's right. Uh, I uh, yeah, I was very thrown by uh, also the fact that of the visual eyes wired shut. Um, it's very graphic visual, and yet this music, yeah, it sounds like it's the soundtrack to my senior year. Like I feel like somebody's like, should Edgewater's Eyes Wired Shut be our class song? I would really like to get my diploma while hearing this song. I'd really like to dance to this song at my senior prom. That is... I was not expecting that type of song on the soundtrack. Um, <laughs> so this is when Frank Castle has that moment where he's just like, high school was pretty, <laughs> pretty rad. Yeah, this is because uh, he, he definitely strikes me as somebody who's super nostalgic. Oh yeah, the Punisher all the time. It's just like, oh man, so, oh yeah, I'm gonna tell you the oh. summers, the summers on the beach. Uh, he really is somebody who longs for the good old days. <laughs> uh, so um, there was uh, a comment on songmeanings.com from the commenter Cron, who started it off by saying, "This song reminds me oh. of the transition between high school and college." Hell, sure does. Uh, the lyrics remind me of how in high school you have to be popular to fit in, not to change, and to always have someone around. As you move to college, you realize that you're getting older, and all that BS from high school doesn't matter anymore. You're not worried as much about failing socially, mind you, and you don't have to believe in, quote, lies to fit in. And now that you're in college, you make it back to who you truly are. That is definitely written by someone who had just started college, but has not entered the real world. Right. Um, and I think that's good. Also, Nolan JB said, if you want to submit lyrics, get them right. Thank you, Nolan. Classic. Thank you, Nolan. So Thank I was just, I was just looking at, I, I was looking. So this is a wine. It looks like this is just, oh, since it's a wind up records produce soundtrack, this is a wind up band. So this feels like this is part of the whole, like this is a sampler for a, once a, again, a, a sampler label. from wind up records. Yeah. Yes. So, 
Well, which I mean, is why I'm also I didn't realize Boy Hits Car is on Wind Up Records. I'm like, where's my Boy Hits Car at? Welcome to Love Core. Why can't you drop that shit in? I would have loved to watch Punisher like punish the people all going like, welcome to Love Core. Like it just oh that would be awesome, man. Some dope ass Boy Hits Car riffs. Uh, I mean, I, I guess they ran out of space <laughs> with 19 songs. They're like, well, we have a Boy Hits Car. I'm like, sorry, tapping out of 19. No, we're going we're gonna to go with Edgewater. Like, it's 2023, baby. You should have gone with Boy Hits Car. <laughs> Hindsight's 2020. That's all I know. Uh, all right, up next, a band we talked about before on the show, Finger Eleven, Slow Chemical. If you love Finger Eleven, then you're gonna love this song because this is what they do. I gotta tell you, this sounds this sounds like every other Finger Eleven song I've ever heard. Sort of a rock and stomper, full emotive vocal. Who am I to tell Finger Eleven to not be who they are? They are being who they are. They are absolutely. This was the entrance theme for Wrestler Kane. Really? Yep. Hmm. Yep. In uh, 2002, Finger Eleven covered and remixed the interest theme for Wrestler Kane, a song they called Slow Chemical, which I don't think is right because the way that this reads is a nightmare. A song from this album, which was the grayest of blue skies, a song from this album, Suffocate, was used in the 2000 film Scream 3. In 2001, the song Drag You Down was used in the animated sitcom Daria. In 2002, Finger Eleven covered and remixed the interest theme for Wrestler Kane, a song they called Slow Chemical, which was recorded and mixed at Metalworks Studios in Mississauga, Ontario. Kane used the song from 2002 to 2008. So, okay, it is. Yeah. Uh, According to songmeanings.com, every comment is about the fact that this is Kane's theme and how it was supposed to be on wwf forcible entry but they f- were forgotten and then they put it out later and then somebody else says that it's on the canadian wwf forcible entry album and then there's an ongoing comment about wwe wwf get the f out of there they're wwe now some people think that it's a song uh, about kane dealing with a girl that he's talking to i don't think that's right <laughs> um and uh <laughs> <laughs> part of the I, that's definitely just, part of the mythos of kane right <laughs> let, let me just let me just stop and take a take a meta moment here and say i i am just so forever grateful to you guys for your commitment to this song meetings website because i never <laughs> in my life had paid attention to it and because of episodes of this show the stuff that you found there there are multiple times in my life where i've had the moment i'm having right now just pure enjoyment 
at the mania that is songmeanings.com when it really like is at its best. And that's happening where I'm like, what am I doing right now? It's like, you know, I'm not, I'm past the point in my life where I read Wikipedia entries on serial killers. Like I, I'm not doing that shit anymore. I'm a guy who comes to the internet for joy and laughs and the joy and laughs I get from songmeanings.com. All credit, all credit to you guys. I would not have gone to that website. I would not have known the oh. deaths. Thank you. I mean, as, as, as we've talked about, it's Jenny's website. She is the one who first texted me and said, you know about this song meaning site? I'm like, do they have meanings? And she's like, sort of. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I, you know what? This comment here from Pixie Parafor is perfect. They said, well, you know what? I just think this song is fucking awesome. LOL. That's it. That's why we go to the site. You Salute know? to the Indigo Angel. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, it. Jenny. I love it. <laughs> uh, so... Um, uh, so next up, we've got. I, a I, I had to, oh, yeah. so this band oh. too. Like, I, I mm-hmm. so I'm looking at these guys. So yeah, it's like they're still around. They just changed their drummer every what, like decade or so. Um, there's a part of me I would never do this, but if I had an infinite time, there's enough mania in me that I'm like, I don't really like this band that much, but I would be curious to like meet somebody who likes this band so much that they can walk me through the vagaries of difference between their three drummers over the years. Like, just tell me what's different. What, what makes that guy different from that guy in figure 11? But the thing I think about with this band, because they've been around so long, this is clearly their job. 30, 33 years of finger 11, right? So that means those guys those main guys at finger 11 they probably have like families and kids and stuff and they're out doing stuff in ontario or whatever part of canada they live and somebody goes like hey so what do you do you know that apparent thing and he's like i'm in a band and they're like oh you're, you're in a band what's your band and they're like oh, i'm in finger 11 and they're like oh, so what what else do you do and they're like no no i've, I've been in finger 11 since 1990 we were on the punisher soundtrack right we we're have kane's the top, theme we, we, were, we did kane's theme. we're one of the top 25 canadian rock acts over the past 17 years especially it's a special kind of statistic that meets it we're finger 11 you haven't heard <laughs> slow chemical <laughs> so frank castle hears slow chemical while watching wwe right yeah that's where you oh yeah that's oh, where he hears it. absolutely he's loading absolutely. the guns yeah. raw's on and, in the background yeah. kane is raw's entering. war Yep. Pun- and he's Punisher like, is war. So yeah. let's mm-hmm. go. That's right. All right. Up next, we've got Ben Moody with the song The End Has Come featuring Jason Miller and Jason Gong Jones. The new singer to Drowning Pool. Took from me all that I had Left my soul and spirit dead Killing everything in me What is what used to be free Now to drive away the pain I'll destroy our You know, we, we hear a lot about guys who say, you know, we were in the studio, we're making our follow-up album, and the label comes to us and says, can you make your old hit again? And we say, no, we don't do that. We're original artists. 
we're going on a different route. We're going to make our difficult second record. We're going to we're going to remake the wheel. We're going to do something different. This dude, Ben Moody, used to be in Evanescence. They came to him and said, "Hey, can you make more songs that sound just like Evanescence?" And he said, "You bet. <laughs> no problem. Here you go. This is this is like shot by shot remake. This is the psycho remake of Bring Me to Life, Matt. You got it perfectly. I was just just like I I don't have Amy Lee anymore, but I got two Jasons. Uh, two, two, what, what is Amy Lee worth? She's worth two Jasons. <laughs> you can trade in one Amy Lee for two Jasons. <laughs> and uh, that's you get. I mean, yeah, I I could not believe. I was like, okay, all right. This also might explain why you know. Amy Lee still exists, and I don't know what's going on with Ben Moody anymore. Uh, but this, yeah. uh, you'll never believe, you'll never believe it. But uh, Ben Moody was on Wind Up Records. What? What? You'll never. What? That's great. Didn't they put this soundtrack out? Um, uh, on the sad news, Ben Moody. Well, not sad, but like he was diagnosed bipolar in 2005. Um, so he he got help with that. So that's a good thing for him. Good. Okay. Working with the. Daughtry. That's perfect. And Celine Dion. Oh. Kelly Clarkson, Avril Lavigne. Yeah. Ooh, what Avril Lavigne did he do? Uh, sure. Looks no, like he just nobody's produced. Home from mm-hmm. Under My Skin. He has writing credits on that. Okay. So when he, he, it's pretty close. Him, him, him bailing on him and leaving Evanescence is pretty close to this movie coming out. Yeah. He, I believe he leaves Evanescence mid tour after. Yes. Yeah, October two thousand three. He was on, in Europe on tour, and he leaves the band, citing artistic differences. Oh, that's right. I think we talked about this. That he wrote this really long like letter about why he left the band, and I think I remember like Jenny texting me, and she was like, "Man, this is a long letter that he should have just you know control alt deleted, like got that out of there. It was real bad." In any event, here he is basically remaking his own hit. Jay Baumgartner produced this song. Hmm. If Wikipedia is to be believed. Lyrically, this is the closest I got, I think, to mirroring the out uh, the movie. He says, don't ever back down. Don't ever turn around. My end has come, so I come for you. Then he screams, ah! And then he says, you took my everything. I'll take your dying breath. I can't feel anything, but I'll live to see you to your death. That fits. That fits. Fits the movie. And then there was a comment on song meanings from some girl, Jadzig, who said, this song is so moody. LOL. Mm. all right all right some girl mm. okay next up a band that we all love that we can't stop talking about strata and their song piece by piece <laughs> Why? Why? Okay. No, no. Okay, Matt, 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 Matt. Listen to this vocal. I want to ask you a question. I want to pose you a question. Listen to this vocal for a second. Fine. About everything inside made room for all this new machine. So me up, pray that I survive. A brand new me. Peace by peace. Okay. 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 On that verse, does that not sound like a thirteen-year-old boy? A little bit. Every time I was like, 
it, when the scream starts at the top, I'm like, this is a band. This is a modern rock, new metal, post, you know, post grunge band. That verse starts, and I was like, wait a minute, whoa. Is this like new metal Hanson? What are we dealing with here? Why does it, it sound like a little Charles, boy? Charles Mansion. Oh, shit. Charles Mansion? Charles, Charles Mansion. Mansion. I think you are older than the lead singer of Strata. This guy no, this, sounds. It's, it's my cousin, Marilyn oh, Mansion. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to Josh Toomey for coming up with Marilyn Mansion. (laughs) Oh, beautiful. Um, Yeah, this one, blown away. I was like, Singer sounds like a 13-year-old boy. We got Tool Town Chorus. But yeah, that threw me every time. I was like, what is this a little kid band? And I did not not do a deep investigation. Maybe it's just what his voice sounds like. But it was very weird. Uh, This is also a song that mentions bleeding a lot. Stay here and watch me bleed. Watch me bleed. It's a brand new me, piece by piece. And I noticed that this album has a lot of people asking other people to watch them bleed. That's like a common lyrical occurrence on this album, which is a big ask, you know? Hey, Matt. And you'll never believe what label Strata is on. What, what label Don't is say Strata? Wind Up Records. Wind Up Records? <laughs> it's wind up records. They're on Wind Up Records. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Are they the they, son? These, of these guys. Wind-up? These guys did tour with uh, Smile Empty Soul and Finger Eleven. Beautiful. That works. Their original name was Downside. I feel like Strata is an upgrade. Yeah, I think so too. You're I mean, going it's, from it's, the it's, downside I I to the Strata. My, my, I thought I was going to be hearing a, a Hard Rock Classics uh, uh, Sparta every time. I was like, oh Sparta. Oh no, Strata. Sparta. No, no, Strata. no Strata. Strata. I read that too. I was like, Sparta's on this? Sparta's on this? <laughs> no, no, we're Strata. we're Strata. But we put the R really close to the T, so it looks like a P, kind of. I'm just imagining a, an alternate reality where Sparta is like super, super big, and then like somebody's like, hey, I heard you like Sparta. I got you the record. And it's like, no, this is Strata. Strata. This isn't it, Dad. You've ruined Christmas. We've got Sparta at home. <laughs> uh uh so what is what's our boy doing during strata hmm. he's probably thinking about his son since he remind this vocal is going to remind him of the young boy that he never got to grow up to be uh because he sadly got run over by a truck on a pier and the, there's a very old-fashionedness of that killing by the way it cuts away before we see them get run over and then when he finds their bodies they're just laying there they're not smushed there's no real blood also I gotta say, when Punisher's mom gets shot during the initial massacre, his reaction is like wow. she is 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 muted. Like yeah. his mother is shot. There's nothing and he, there. And he's his like dad's his dad's reaction to the death of the love of his life, his wife, who he's raised children with, who they've trapped. I mean, like all his dad's just reaction is like <laughs> Yeah, well his dad's reaction is time to lock and load, son, time to kill yeah. some dudes. Let's like they're pulling <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, wow, they don't well, I, they don't I, care i look i looked at the stuff about because when i was watching i was like I, I didn't remember being like exactly framed like the mad max death of mad max's wife in it and then it turns out that they even put thomas jane in the same outfit that mel gibson is wearing in that scene in mad max where Whoa. the wife and kids so it's they've they they redo the shot they frame it like the shot and for some reason thomas jane is also and i was like it's one of those things too where you're like if you're going to reference something that is the same as the other thing, make sure that the thing you're referencing isn't like monumentally 
culturally better and more important than you have any hope of being. Like, it just is like, you're literally a 2004 Punisher movie. And you're like, remember the, you know, Mad Max. People don't remember Mad, no, they remember Mad Max. And when you copy a shot from it, I don't know, guys. (laughs) Uh, Well, they can't win them all. I, uh, what I was going to say, Matt, to answer your question, I, I, this is a this is a bullshit way to answer the question because it's a legit question, and I respect you for asking it. But there's a lot of times in this movie where Frank must be just waiting for the parking tickets to get placed on the car, stakeout style. So he's going to be listening to the radio, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so maybe all 19 of these 21 songs that aren't in the movie are just playing on the radio when Frank's just sitting in, in the car. Tampa like, oh. is famous for their modern rock radio. <laughs> You know what would be even better, actually, is if this was like the way things are on Netflix, where like they prominently show you like, you know, the stuff or whatever that they're promoting. But like if the just in within the movie, like you see like Frank sitting in a car waiting for the car to get parking tickets and he pulls out like a wind up record sampler and just (laughs) (laughs) and they prominently show him going like wind up. Wind up. Maybe it's bloodstained because his his uh, son gave it to him or something like that. His son this, ordered it before. This his is son my died. son's favorite mix CD. You remember how at the end of Castaway, he finally gets the package and takes it to the lady's house. So imagine if like he comes to that house after he recovers from his family's death, and there's this bloodstained package that was delivered for his son that day, and he finally opens it. Wind up record sampler. There we go. Diegetic music throughout. Well, I mean, that's basically what they did with Guardians of the Galaxy, right? <laughs> like, they were like, <laughs> and then just... they sold it to people, and it like was one of the best-selling albums. <laughs> people were like, "Yes, thank you." Uh, all right, now this one, I'm surprised this one is buried so deep because this is a band people know. It's Hatebreed, Bound to Violence. Bound to violence, this grief is a sentence you face Incomplete, you've lost your way Struggling with rational In a world so cold and bleak How can this be a place for you? Bound to violence Get my Chef's fucking kiss. Um, more of this, all of this, want this, nonstop. Replace five of the songs on the album with this. I am shocked that they did not play this over the big massacre at the end of the movie. This would have been perfect for when Frank is shoving knives into people's faces and killing guys with bows and arrows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, this would have been perfect. Also, this does, th- that massacre does have the one. Uh, I think the funniest gag in the movie, which is that he puts the mine in the wine ice box. Mm-hmm. So when the guy pulls it up, it pulls that and he goes, what? And then he gets blown up. <laughs> Beautiful. That was like, I was like, oh yeah, this part. I remember this part. This was, this was the part when the movie got good for a minute. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, this is a no brainer straight crusher. Embarrasses most of the album. There's no comments in song meaning because there's nothing to add. It's incredible. What's Frank what to- doing? Killing people. Nah, that, I would say so. He, he's, this yeah. is in an earbud. <laughs> he's like, oh, is this the man. only? Is this the only besides Punisher? Is this the only thing? Because I'm pretty sure Hatebreed is also on the soundtrack to Punisher Warzone. Let me take a looky loo at the Punisher Warzone soundtrack. 
Hate breed is also on that. Yes. Yeah, I think that. Yeah. Refuse resist. Is that a, is that a cover? Are they doing a? Ooh. I think it's a Sepultura cover. Hmm. Okay. All right. Um. Wow. This soundtrack has even more genre tags. Anyway. Okay. Let's um, do it. Next up, here's one band. A, a band. <laughs> this truly. is definitely soundtrack band. Oh yeah. They're called Seven Wiser, and the song's called Sick. <laughs> Warm up the sick machine. fine now if you are listening to this and you're like guys i need more seven wiser in my life i need to hear more by them don't google seven wiser you're not going to find it because they changed their name in 2009 to fall zone oh one word or two words that's one word okay welcome to the fall zone welcome to the fall zone <laughs> also uh, uh don't go looking for them on wind up records because while they <laughs> debuted on this uh and about two months later their debut album comes out for wind up records they were then kicked off wind up records so this was a band that wind up records was like eh, you know this just isn't working out <laughs> you know you guys aren't wind up material <laughs> you're not wind up material finger 11's like we're good though right and they're like you guys are great <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. it says here they signed to Crash Records and made a second album called Stronger. I see what you did there. It looks like then they broke up and then they got back together. They have, they're currently a trio, even though it says, it says here that they're a four-piece, but then you scroll down and they're a trio. And apparently the Stronger album was reissued three times. Wow. Yeah, they were really like, this, song, this album is Stronger. And we're going to prove it by issuing it three times. I wrote in my notes that this song, I listen to this album every time, and this song I always thought was something else. It washes over you like a mist. I question whether this song actually even exists. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And there was a guy uh, a guy on Song Meanings. Their name was Shoe Bomb of Life. Oh, who said, classic. Who said, a most excellent song off of the Punisher soundtrack. Probably my favorite one next to the end has come. I think the parts at the end go, held up, can you just take, and not how the. That's right. Get in there. Correct those lyrics. Correct those lyrics. Get in there. Get, Get in, there. in there. Correct those lyrics. Correct those lyrics. All right. There's only 17 more songs to go. The it next feels one, like it. The next one is called, it's called Complicated by the band Submersed. Are over 
honestly, it's it's all right. Complicated very much is sweet modern rock radio staple. Not going to anger a lot of people this one, I don't think. It's also not going to spur much emotion at all from a lot of people, I think. It's just just feels like, yep, it's a modern rock radio song. Yeah. Hey, uh, Submersed on Wind Up Records? Uh, let, let me... Yep. Sh- yep, there we go. Yeah, no, Submersed, also, there's a MySpace quote. There's a quote from, like, a MySpace comment about why they got kicked off uh, Wind Up Records. Uh, for all you Wind Up Records heads out there, if you want to look into <laughs> some of the lore. <laughs> you know, the, my main takeaway from this band, I was like, because their music's not anything to, like, like Matt says, not anything to register. But it's also, like, it's funny how just... I don't know, certain words just feel like to me are like a bad choice for a band name. Like submersed, it's like I don't know. I mean <laughs> in the modern in the modern world with our phone or something like that, you could just click on somebody's name and immediately learn their history. But like two thousand four, like there's a little bit more effort you have to put into the equation. And like the word submersed for me is just not there's just nothing here to make me like continue the trek <laughs> forward to like look into this band. The Even, SEO of submersed is impossible. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and I'm just I'm just talking about like the mental SEO. Like my brain is not gonna retain that word. Like I'm gonna remember corn. I'm gonna be like fuck it. Right, corn. yeah. Corn. <laughs> hey, corn system of a down i'm gonna remember that shit but you're like, like submerged they're so uncomplicated and i'm like is it what what's the word again the <laughs> complicated already gone yeah construction if, material i don't yeah yeah well also i'm like complicated you mean avril lavigne complicated and it's like no 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 no, 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 no. no. it's a different song no, no. different song, song. Different like, song. well then i'm not interested that's no. yeah. hey lauren mm-hmm. how respectful of our time is this album oh matt this album is a fucking beast <laughs> this album is 67 minutes and 39 seconds and i know this episode is very long but that's because this album like literally i was saying to you tucker before we started recording i was like man i gotta carve out chunks of my life to get these listens in like yeah. i've got a really like oh my god i was just what do i have where i'm doing something not doing really much of anything for an hour and right. seven minutes <laughs> Uh, it was just uh, super just, uh, yeah, just, I was like, I don't know. I've got, I've got a child. I have, I have so much to do. Do I have time for this slab of an album? But somehow I made it work. Um, we got two left. Let's do it. We've got a band called Adam Ship and the song Time for People. Okay, all right, that's a great lyric. I've got no time for killing time, so I made time for killing people? Somebody just said... That is exactly... The lyric is, I found no people for killing time, so I found time for killing people. I found no rhythm, I would rhyme, so I'm the rhythm for the people. And when I heard this song, my... My uh, my notes were, who made the decision on 19 songs? <laughs> were they searching for songs by bands no one has heard of with lyrics about killing incredibly arduous work? The Wikipedia for this band does reveal, yes, ladies and gentlemen, they were on <gasps> Wind Up, Up Records. Records. But this was the most interesting detail. The band was known as Watership Down, but then they had to oh. change their name due to copyright to Adam yep. Ship. Then, due to the original vocalist's anxiety, this guy named Joey Culver had to take over as the lead singer. 
So apparently, yeah, apparently they had another lead singer and they had a whole band and then they were like, he's got anxiety, he's, he's out. And then they just had to bump up another guy in the band to be the singer. What a job. Wow. What is what's water shit down too? Right. Oh, you want a story about these rabbits? It's it's a real bummer. (laughs) Uh, I feel like calling it Watership Down is a little like calling your band Moby Dick. Like just straight up going out there and just saying like we're just naming it after stuff, man. Yeah, this was tough. There was a comment on songmeanings.com I thought was interesting from Born of Desire 32 who said, I think this has more to do with being really depressed or really upset slash mad slash angry. Sometimes I don't want to deal with people and I just want to sit in my room or house and listen to music and brood. Those are the times I, quote, hate people. I don't know why hate is in quotes, but it is. This is the person who's going through I hate people hate it's okay you can just hate them it's fine <laughs> right nobody here yeah again what is frank castle doing during, for, for a song like this this is he hasn't turned off the radio yet this is it's yeah. still, i think can't, it's a stakeout matt he's got to stay awake yeah and the only way you're going to stay awake what if she leaves the movie early mm-hmm. then he's got to do he's got to figure that out yeah oh yeah that is the theme matt um that uh howard saint's wife uh, goes to the movies every Thursday. She sees some classic films. She always gets a spot parking right out in front of the theater. Right out in front. She's got a park- partly because the theater is a shithole. That's another thing I thought was interesting this time. I noticed. I don't think I would have paid attention to that in two thousand four. Tampa's not known for its cinema. Yeah, this, I'm like watching it. I'm like this is, this is like super rich, powerful crime lord lady, and she's like just going to like. It's just a total shithole. <laughs> We're the kings of Tampa. <laughs> also, I wrote it down. Oh, God, I wrote down one of the movies. One of the movies is called, I loved this. It's called Buenos Dios, Pablo. <laughs> She's going to see. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> She's going to go see. Bueno, what are you going to go see this week? Yeah, I'm going to go see Buenos Dios, Pablo. <laughs> I, I, I have to say. Tampa exclusive. <laughs> Did you feel tucker that howard saint's reaction to all of the news about his wife possibly cheating on him with his assistant was like there felt like there was something missing that howard saint immediately was like i believe all these things absolutely Mm -hmm. these people are 100 percent doing this behind my back because it seems otherwise like things are pretty solid um Mm -hmm. will Patton is by all accounts the best uh murder assistant you could have Mm-hmm. He's top tier. Like the Joker would have been like, get rid of Bob the Goon, get me Will Patton. That dude's mm-hmm. crushing it. Um, mm-hmm. He's incredibly efficient. And they get everything done. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It seems weird that he's just like, no, no, no. This guy's definitely fucking my wife. Which, with the amazing twist of that he's actually gay. That was honestly another funny part in the movie when the Punisher is staking out Will Patton's character. Just, oh, and he sees him. And he yeah. sees him make out with the guy. And they cut to him and Tom Jane's like, whoa gay people like he's like blown away like that was a twist he's like and then but then we'll start turning he's like how can i use this to my advantage set this up 
it's just, it's also one of those like it's like one of those kind of gross things they don't really do anymore but it's like a, it's like a, such a writing thing like a screenwriter from like late 90s early 2000s it's not even the first time that will Patton has played like a sadist who's a secret homosexual he's played that character before because that's a type that's like a thing they do they're like the guy who really likes torture is also a secret gay person like and it's just like and the way it's delivered in the movie you're just like this is just fucking gross, man. This is just an awful like little thing you're doing here. And uh, I don't, and it, there's, there's a lot, and this is a harder thing to talk about. And obviously we've been going really long, but like this movie has so many screenwriting, like tricks to it that it doesn't actually have a story. Like how do they set up the fact that John Travolta is going to betray his wife is that they almost immediately introduce that John Travolta is jealous of anyone speaking to his wife. And they show him watching her talk to Will Patton as they're dancing after he told them to dance together. And then they have the overlay of the guy from Ocean's Eleven, who is, you know, the kind of Frank's informer mm -hmm. going like he's very, he won't, he only thing he cares about is his wife, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, this movie has no organic stuff. It's going to hit you in the face with every single thing that it's going to do so that at no point are you ever surprised or in any suspense of why it's happening. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, because they, they really lay it on thick. They're like, Howard Saint loves his wife. It's like, okay, got it. Got All right. it. Okay. Yeah. Duly noted. Uh, we got one song left. Yes, <laughs> we do. It's called In Time, and it's by Mark Colley. I can hear what you're thinking All your doubts and fear And if you look in my eyes in time You'll find the reason I'm here And in time all things shall pass away In time you may come back someday Die once more, but in time your time will be no more. You know your days are numbered, count them one by one. Oh, I'm sorry we can't listen to the whole thing. Um, I walked away from that song, <laughs> so I couldn't believe what was happening. Um, is Frank Castle? <laughs> Frank Castle plays this song. Frank Castle hears this song live. Yes, uh, gets... this guy. This guy play. This guy is in the movie, and he okay. plays this song for Frank, and then says, "I always play that song for people before I kill them." And then he uh, attempts to kill Frank and loses in the next scene. So the guy, the guy who makes this song, is in the movie playing Harry Heck. I think is mm -hmm. the character's name. Oh. Yeah. Uh, which, which I is... didn't. I didn't realize until doing research was based off of. A character from the Welcome Back Frank storyline, yeah. but he doesn't look anything like him, and there's really no beyond the name. There's no one. No, it's just a cowboy kind of character. Yeah, yeah it's just like a uh, Western character. So I look this guy up, Mark Colley, and he's. Um, it seems like he's mostly a country singer, but he has dabbled in acting, both in The Punisher, also in Fire Down Below, and he's in the famous Kill Switch clip. That if you've ever looked up Steven Seagal Kill Switch on YouTube. It's this incredible clip where Seagal beats the crap out of Mark Colley and then throws him out a window, and they cut to like eight different angles of this guy flying out the window uh, before he lands on the ground. And then Seagal says something like, uh, 
Uh, I think I dropped something out there. Somebody want to check on that? I think I dropped it. It's it's incredible. It's really good. It's uh, it's really bad, but also really good. And I've watched. I actually watched all of Kill Switch because of that clip, and it's insane. It is truly one of the most insane movies I've ever seen. I think it's on Tubi, and it's a perfect Tubi film. I love these Tubi films. They oh. are madness. Mm. Lots of great stuff on Tubi. With this song, I think the version in the movie. Uh, which is basically just the first verse and stuff, is perfect length. I think the fact that it's longer on the album is too long. Like, I think the way it's in the movie is perfect length. Also, that sequence when he uh, fights that guy, that one's pretty good. I thought that was pretty good. You got a little bit of a car chase there. And then uh, when he pulls out the the spring knifed into the guy's neck, I was like, yeah, all right. That's good stuff. Weird capper. I could see them. This is the one where I could see them sitting down with these 19 songs, trying Mm -hmm. to do some level of sequencing. And they're like, what do we do with the country song? What do we do with it? Because it occurs Mm -hmm. in the middle of the movie. Mm -hmm. But they, I think ultimately they're like, it doesn't make sense. We can't put it with the acoustic ones. It's not heavy enough. And then some, somebody was just like, slap it on the end, slap Mm -hmm. it on the end. Perfect capper. If nobody likes it, they just turn the album off at that point. Because they certainly haven't turned it off at, seven wiser or submerged (laughs) so well you'll be happy to know that he was never on wind up Records. there you go Um, i do i do want to know how he ended up in this movie i want to know what what jonathan hensley's connection because it's obviously a jonathan hensley thing it's got to be the one who put this guy in there it's got to be yeah i'm uh yeah i yeah i don't know because yeah his um yeah his his movie (laughs) appearances are literally yeah fire down below he's this thing called jericho yeah it doesn't make any sense like it's just I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was a TV thing. Maybe there's some connection. Maybe he's local to Tampa. Maybe he was just a, uh, a Tampa native. Maybe, well, no, it says he lives in, he's from Tennessee. I don't know. He must got to believe he was local or something. Something like that. In any event, that's the album. That's Punisher the album, everybody. We did it. We did it. It's now to the part of the show where we talk about cannon talk talking about the canon tucker you're a guest we'll start with you you think there's anything on this record that should go in the new metal canon uh the damage plan maybe i don't know that doesn't feel like new metal enough to me i, I don't i'm gonna say that i don't feel like i mean i honestly don't feel like any of this stuff like really like you know exist in that space uh you know it's not gonna push around in, in the what i what i think of is like the new metal pantheon i mean i think some of these guys might bump into it but obviously they i think all of them have better songs than this messing around in their place yeah i, I, I think you're right this is um it's a tough long album and and it's leans more while it has the new metal tag it tends to lean more alt metal and butt rock yeah uh the damage plane song is great it's going to go into my personal canon for sure, but I wouldn't have anything for the canon. Uh, Matt, make your case for Seven Wiser. Go. <laughs> well, uh, no. And also, yeah, nothing for the canon. Um, I would say that we didn't know that Wind Up Records existed prior to this, really. And to say before we realized that this became a Wind Up Records sampler, mm-hmm. um, amazing. Mm-hmm. amazing work great marketing great way to put yourself like somebody knew somebody at the movie studio and was like hey we're starting a record label let us do the soundtrack because we're trying to break some of these bands and they were like sure no problem um so in that sense 
collaboration is what you got to do trying to get these people out there but uh yeah nothing for the canon on this one um and uh but it was great to learn a lot about the punisher and um hopefully we weren't too punished by the end of it because it seems that the punishment is immediate execution so we're all still alive Mm -hmm. we did good we did good we made it uh so nothing for the new metal canon um but the Punisher remains in our hearts. And uh, that's that's another episode of Roach Coach, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Keep on saying hello to us online. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're Roach Coach and all those. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Tucker, I know you are uh, – is, is Travis Bickle – are you guys still doing that? Are you on hiatus? What What is your – what's We're on a little hiatus right now. we got a, a Mission Impossible app uh, dropping pretty soon here. Probably be up by the time this episode goes live. If not, it'll be up right after. Uh, and the comic books are burning in hell uh, and Batman books are burning in hell. Kind of slowly relaunching some stuff in the next hmm, couple of weeks with some weird-ass French sci-fi stuff. Beautiful, beautiful. Tucker, uh, a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, man, um, my pleasure too. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, you know, this uh, this Punisher Warzone soundtrack, I think we'll probably have to get to that at some point. I think that's that's the next step. So There are some there are some bangers on that Punisher Warzone soundtrack. That Punisher Warzone soundtrack is not a wind-up record. Oh, uh, spectacular. Okay. Ooh, okay. okay. And there's some shout-out to some classic, uh, some songs that I think Matt might have a little bit of love on there. But, okay. Uh, oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then, uh, yeah, we should read. We might see you in the Warzone. We might see you in the Warzone. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, and until next time, Matt, thank you. Lauren, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. All right. Bye bye. -bye.